Good morning, New York sports fans, on this NFL Divisional Playoff Round Weekend 2020. I'm Danielle McCartan, McCartan After Midnight. We'll be talking all things New York sports with you till 6 a.m. on this early, early Sunday morning. Or, I mean, if you're still out and about miraculously on this late Saturday night, good for you. Coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio in Lower Manhattan. We're going to be together a lot tonight until 6. I've got the Pat Boyle behind the glass of me tonight, ready, willing, and able to take your phone calls. You guys already know that number, 877-337-6666. Let's load them up. Best Yankees, Mets, Giants, Jets, Knicks, Nets, NFL Divisional Playoff Round Weekend. Whatever is on your mind, give us a call. I've got a very special guest for you guys tonight. Three-time NFL All-Pro, former New York Jet. And you guys guessed it uh, on Twitter and on, on Facebook with the clues that I was giving you guys. And member of the Kansas City Chiefs Hall of Fame, Tony Richardson. We're going to break down, Tony and I, all of the aspects of the upcoming Baltimore Ravens at Kansas City Chiefs game later today. We are going to discuss what players look for in a new head coach's press conference. And as you may or may not know, Richardson experienced this with the hiring of Rex Ryan for the Jets. We're going to expand upon that through a New York Giants lens. And we're going to talk about what is next for the New York Jets. Welcome to New York. So we talked about, this is Taylor Swift, welcome to New York. We talked about how the Giants are absolutely the best destination that had an opening for the head coach position. One, it's a flagship franchise that is still owned, at least in part, by the same family, the Maras, that founded the team in 1925, which was Tim Mara. And they actually helped found the league as we know it today. That's a little history lesson, not for right now. And two... The pieces are in place for the New York Giants. The franchise quarterback is there. The franchise running back is there. They've got a young team with an average age of 25 and a half years. And that's including the ages of Zach Diossi and Eli Manning in that. So what more could you ask for to work with if you are, in fact, the head coach candidate? So officially, since the last time you and I talked, the Giants have hired a new head coach. And not a, a head coach that we even talked about here. Here's a quick review of the qualifications that I was looking for in the new Giants coach, as if I'm the one conducting the interviews. This is a review now. See, the general categories that this person needed to check for me were these three. One, whoever it was needed to be a full team manager that was going to give up play calling duty to his coordinators. Because I feel, as a head coach, you just you need to be omnipresent over your entire roster and your entire team. Second thing I was looking for, an offensive mind with experience in working with and developing a quarterback for obvious reasons named Daniel Jones. And finally, a winning pedigree. I wanted the Giants to get somebody with a sustained career of winning to bring some stability back to this team and to teach them how to win. You make these guys play inspired ball with that having been there, done that already mentality. I did ask last week, why didn't the Giants give Mike McCarthy the Garrett Cole treatment? And that same night that we talked, you and I, Mike McCarthy had a little sleepover with Jerry Jones, who obviously went above and beyond the Garrett Cole treatment to make that deal. So, uh, good for them, I guess. 
But by now, you all know that Mike McCarthy was my number one choice for the Jets job last year and subsequently for the Giants job this year. I thought that just the Giants at this juncture, after two failed head coaches, needed someone that has been there, done that. Ben McAdoo lasted half a year. Pat Shermer lasted only two years. It hasn't been exactly steady footing for the New York Giants as of late, which is quite uncharacteristic, if you ask me, of one of the original franchises in football. So with that in mind, I thought they needed a head coach with experience in developing that quarterback, as I mentioned, with a no-nonsense demeanor and with playoff and bonus Super Bowl experience even. We talked about this. By the way, the most playoff wins by a head coach since 2006, my senior year of high school, one Bill Belichick with 20, and then he got tied for second place, and I was waiting to see the outcome tonight. Mike McCarthy, 10 wins in the playoffs since 2006, and John Harbaugh as well. And as you know, John Harbaugh's uh, Baltimore Ravens surprisingly got, got owned tonight. We'll talk about that too tonight. So lo and behold... Joe Judge actually checked off two of my three boxes. He has already stated that he will not be a coordinator. And he comes from a long-time winning pedigree of coaches in Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. And when Bill Belichick, debatably one of the best coaches to ever coach the game of football, gives someone a resounding recommendation, you need to listen. This is not Peyton Manning, who has zero experience with coaching, by the way, giving a recommendation for a coach that he probably did more of the coaching to begin with. I'm talking Adam Guru, in case you were wondering. And while the narrative out there is that the Giants may have settled on Judge after missing out on McCarthy and Rule, you know what? Everything happens for a reason. Rule was the front runner by all accounts. And did you just, did you happen to see his press conference? For me, to sum that up in one word, yikes. We'll talk about that too tonight. I posted a poll to my Twitter account, at Coach, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, as I always do. I always ask for your input, and I asked this week, if you could grade or assign a grade to the hiring of Joe Judge, which grade would you assign it? I gave the choices of, you're only allowed to do four. So I did A, B, C, D, or less. And let me do some quick math here. 80% of you guys graded the Joe Judge hiring as an A or B. And after that is all said and done, an overwhelming amount of Giants fans are happy with his, with his hiring. I myself would have graded it a B because, well, you know Mike McCarthy was my A candidate, and I also liked Eric Bieniemy. But I must say that Joe Judge, though, he seems like he's got all the tools to build the Giants back into a championship-caliber team. I can get behind him, but not all the New York, New York, Aaron Judge, Joe Judge narratives. Just stop those before they start. So Jets fans, it is January 12th, the most significant date in your team's history. I guarantee it. It's ironic that the one and only Super Bowl victory came at the Orange Bowl in Miami. Miami Orange Bowl, the city in which this year's Super Bowl will be played. Joe Namath and the New York Jets defeated the 18-point favorite Baltimore Colts by a score of 16-7 to on this date, January 12th. And Gang Green, well, 
They're still searching for their first Super Bowl appearance in 51 years since January 12, 1969. So what's it going to take for the New York Jets to make it back to the promised land, to, to Paradise City? Also, side note, I learned tonight that that official video for that song was filmed at the old Giants Stadium. Check it out. Um, but anyway, here are some questions with the recommendations that I have for the Jets to try to make it back to Paradise City. One, does this head coach have what it takes to lead the team to the Super Bowl? No. So sever ties with this head coach. Have you seen the way Adam Gase's former quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, is playing without him? At one point tonight, he was four for five, and two of the four completions were touchdown passes. He is set to play next weekend to go to the Super Bowl. Case in point, or should I say, Gase in point. Two, does Le'Veon Bell have a place in Adam Guru's offense? If yes, well, Joe Judge needs to speak with his head coach who egregiously underutilized one of the premier backs in the league to selfishly back up his own philosophy that he never wanted the player to begin with. And if not, Douglas needs to find a suitor who will ante up to honor the big contract that he doled out and get something substantial in return. Can he? Three, the third way the Jets can get back to Paradise City, the promised land is, well, what about Robbie Anderson? He's set to hit the free agent market. He's expecting a deal in the 10 to $12 million range, reportedly. Should Joe Douglas and the Jets, with the 10th best cap situation, according to SportTrack, my favorite website, in the NFL leading into next season, should they pony up for the deal in that range? No. The guy never made a Pro Bowl, despite having begged for it on the sidelines to a camera during a live game broadcast once. I'm sure you remember that one. And then there's Jamal Adams, who undoubtedly will seek to become the league's highest-paid safety in 2021's free agency. The two-time Pro Bowler, and the only one in New York City this season, by the way, has been named to the NFL's first-team All-Pro team. SportTrack sets his market value around $12 million per year. Now you got to ask yourself, would you rather have Robbie Anderson or Jamal Adams? For me, without hesitation, it's Jamal Adams. Sign him up now. Welcome back. talked a lot of basketball recently so welcome back welcome back welcome back to Kyrie Irving who has gone missing over the past 26 Brooklyn Nets games he's set to play later today for the Nets and he's played in a whopping 11 games this entire season and as a reminder he signed a four-year 126.4 million dollar contract before the season began was this mega contract worth it well, this season, Irving averaged 28.5 points, just about seven assists, and 5.5 and rebounds in those 11 games that he's played, and he was on pace for career highs in all of those. Yet, the Nets were just 4-7 and seven with him. Now, how is his return to the lineup going to affect the team later today? Well, honestly, that remains to be seen because he is playing today. But the Nets and Irving definitely picked the right game to try to get back into the swing of things because they host the Atlanta Hawks later today who happen to possess the worst record in the entire league. And if I'm a Nets fan, this line from Kyrie Irving would scare me about him being shut down for the rest of the year. He said, so now I'm just going to do the best I can to live off this cortisone and move forward if I need surgery in the future. That sounds ominous to me. I'm coming home, I'm coming home Tell the world I'm coming 
Yankees tell, told the world that Brett Gardner was going to be coming home. The Yankees made it official today that they are reuniting with their homegrown outfielder in Brett Gardner. And while I really want to say, okay, why is this move to re-sign a 36-year-old outfielder, who's 37 in August, the right one? Well, he certainly gives Aaron Boone some flexibility in creating the lineups, especially with Aaron Hicks on the shelf till the summer, let's just say. And why should Gardner even be given a chance? Well, one, last season, he played a reliable, a steady 141 games for the seventh straight season of his career. And by the way, he's coming off a career year, Brett Gardner. He set career highs in home runs, RBIs, and slugging percentage. So, Brett Gardner, the only player returning from the 2009 World Series, the winning team for the Yankees, is set to return for season number 13, all in pinstripes. And of course, it was, or still is, NFL Divisional Playoffs Weekend. The NFC's number one-seeded San Francisco 49ers trounced the number six-seeded Vikings. And I'll be honest, I like the matchups that Minnesota had today. Kirk Cousins, or earlier today, Kirk Cousins looked excellent last week. They have tremendous offensive weapons in Cook, Thielen, Diggs, Rudolph. Actually, the Vikings entered the game having the second-best red zone defense in the entire league this regular season. The 49ers earlier today were 3-for-5 in the red zone. That's why you play the game. In that third quarter, when the Vikings muffed that punt, well, that certainly was the turning point in the game. You just felt it. I actually had gotten up to cook myself some dinner. Steak, by the way. The Vikings just could not stop the 49ers' rushing attack. 41 rushes on the night compared to 19 passes from Jimmy GQ Garoppolo. And then, did you watch the Tennessee Titans and Baltimore Ravens game? Wow. I think that game left most of us, including that entire crowd at MNT Bank Stadium, speechless. I mean, it was the second game of the day, the number one seed, and it was basically over in the third quarter. And I might even argue before halftime. I tell you, I picked the Ravens in this game. I just thought their defense was just far superior. And of course, we have Texans at Chiefs later today, Seahawks at Packers. I'll give you my analysis and picks later on in the show. 30 days till pitchers and catchers. Hit the calls, 877-337-6666. As you could tell, everything is on the table. I'm Daniel McCartan after midnight on The Fan, and he is Marco Belletti. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York, a radio.com sports station. Good morning again, everybody. I'm Daniel McCartan here on The Fan. Roxanne on The Fan. Um, we, uh, of course, we have calls about the NFL Divisional Playoffs weekend, and Listen, I am going to own it. I was 0 for 2 today. I, I just thought the Vikings had a chance. I, I did. I mean, like I said, right, like five seconds ago, that their, their offensive weapons, I mean, Cook, Thielen, Diggs, and Ruoff, they're absolutely loaded on the offensive side of the ball. I was 0 for 2 today. But, man, did the 49ers defensive line steal the show. I mean, pressure always seemed to be in Kirk Cousins' face, whereas Garoppolo really seemingly had literally all day long to throw the ball. So what's it like to get sustained pressure from your defensive line so the rest of your players can fall back into coverage? Well, neither Jets fans nor Giants fans know what that's like as of recent. And then again, the Titans-Ravens game. Wow. I mean, speechless. 
I tell you, I picked the Ravens in this game. I just thought, I told you just before, that their defense was just far superior to that of the Titans. That, to me, was my swing factor. Then you see that the Titans forced Lamar Jackson's rating to be the second worst he's ever posted this entire season. You see Mike Vrabel out there out-coaching the second coach he's faced in two weeks. Bill Belichick last week, John Harbaugh this week with that trick play for the touchdown this week. Again, one in each game. And this week, it was Derrick Henry's jump shot touchdown pass that caught the entire Ravens defense off guard. And then, guys, you see Ryan Tannehill out there, who that should be the catalyst for change for all Jets fans everywhere. I've been preaching it week in and week out. I'm glad to hear some of you guys are finally aboard my train that Ryan Tannehill is absolutely thriving without Adam Gase holding him back. And like I said, at one point in this game, he was four for five, and two of those four completions were for touchdowns. Are you kidding me? Tannehill is out there throwing absolute dimes again without Adam Gase. And you know what? Good. You know what? I'm glad I missed on this pick. I'm so happy for the Titans and for Ryan Tannehill to finally show this league his worth. And, of course, we have two more games later today. Texans at Chiefs, Seahawks at Packers. Let's head to the phones, 877-337-6666. Mike in Brooklyn, you're on the fan. Yes, how are you? I'm a big uh, Titans fan. I just want to say a couple of things. Big trust, woo-woo, and I don't know how they're doing this, but good defense. And uh, our defense was good in the beginning of the year. And Derek Henry is just a, a bull. He, I mean, I don't know what else to say about him. He's I know. a bull. Uh, he I don't is... think anyone's going to stop him. I really I really don't. I called the show, like, last Thursday. I forgot. I forgot. His, I couldn't hear what his name was. But he said, everyone said we're going to get blown away today. And I just I just couldn't see why. You know, they have this guy, Khalif Raymond. I don't know if you know. But I, he, I know someone that went to college with him, actually. Yeah. He's from Holy Cross. Yep. Yes, he is. And he, you know how many times he tried to be signed in the NFL and he wasn't signed? Yep. He, was even, he was even cut by Tennessee, and they signed him to the practice squad, and he got knocked out a couple of weeks ago against the Saints. Yep. And now he comes back and makes a great play. I mean, you know, I don't care who Tennessee plays. They can beat any of these teams. they got a better running game than both of them, and their defense is playing out of their mind, and nobody knows who the Titans are. Logan Ryan, Evans, Landry. Bayard, I can go on and on and on, but I know you don't have enough time for me. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm, and, just, yeah. I'm just excited. That's, that's all. Good. Hey, you know what? I'm happy for you. I, I think I might be joining the, the Tennessee Titans bandwagon. I really, I really am. And if that, if you'll allow me, am I allowed? Oh no, of course. I wish I, I could wish, wish I could. I, I met Eddie Georgia like 20 years ago, mm-hmm. like uh, right when they were moving to Vanderbilt with McNair. I got a picture of me and him and Bruce Matthews. Cool. I have a tattoo on my uh, arm of the tight end, and I have the oil logo on my left. I, I just hope they go all the way. I don't see – no one else has a better uh, running game than us. This guy is just unbelievable. Well, I, I have a little stat for you because while you're still on the phone, I'm not going to hang up on you yet. Oh, don't worry. Thank you. Our fr- <laughs> uh, last week, I don't know if you heard my show last week, but we had on, or I had on, Teresa Walker from the Associated Press. She covers the Titans for them. And she tweeted out this, and I have to give her credit because I didn't do the research. But she said, the Titans have lost three straight in a divisional round, and their last road win in the divisional round came in t- 2000 at the Colts. 
and the Titans played yeah. the Titans played in their lone Super Bowl two weeks later. So right, they played, they played Jacksonville and they they got them good, and then they lost. We all know how they lost, but that's the way things go sometimes. What are you going to do? Yeah, but this is uh, this might be the trend. So hopefully, hopefully it is the trend for for your sake. I I hope so. I I think we can make it there. You know, making it to the championship game is an accomplishment. I'm not a you know I'm I'm yeah. happy. Yeah, I, and but I think I think we I think we go and I think it's just it's just uh, destined. I mean, Tannehill played in Miami and he wants to say hello in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's what I think. And and hello to Adam Gase, who's going to be watching him on TV. <laughs> that's good. He can keep on watching. Yep. Good, Mike. Thanks for the okay. call. Great no call. Problem. Thank you so much. Have a great evening. You too. Thanks. And, and Khalif Raymond, he pointed out Khalif Raymond, and yes, I, I I know somebody that went to college with him, and he Khalif Raymond had a little stint for our Jets, and had, he had a little stint on our Giants too. You know Khalif Raymond, and what they say he in the broadcast today, he only had it was something single digit five or nine catches this entire season, came up big in that spot, and then uh, Mike he just mentioned Logan Ryan. Well, Logan Ryan was asked after the game how the Titans shut down Lamar Jackson. Well, the the I give you the long quote and the short quote, but the short quote is, we had eight nine-man boxes all night. You play Madden and run engage eight all day, it's hard to run the ball. So he referenced Madden and, and schemes in Madden, um, and, and that's how they did it. He said that we pretty much did that, and we got a lead, and once we got the lead, they had to go to their pass game, and that's our strength with the DBs. Um, and once we get a lead, we can get some interceptions is what he said. And he said that they did study the Buffalo Bills film because Buffalo played them well, as we know. And he said that the, the downfall of the Buffalo Bills it was that the, they just didn't score a lot of points on offense. And that was not the case for the Titans. The Titans put 14 points up by halftime and kept the Ravens out of the end zone. And my little free league fantasy football, I had Justin Tucker on my team. And he's an all-pro kicker. And I didn't win the league. I don't know how that's... Uh, I had him. I had... Uh, well, I know. I had Le'Veon Bell. And obviously, he wasn't utilizing the right way on the Jets <laughs> this season. Lenny in Fort Lauderdale. You are on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Glad to hear you again today. Thanks. Hey, um, I'd like to liken the, um, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Sort of like uh, Harden and um, the Creek Freak. You know, Giannis, easy yeah. to play during the regular season. Gets a little tougher in the playoffs. Once you take the run and the uh, the big play run and out of that game, and you make him a passer. Yep. I think he's less than ordinary. Um, uh, he did. He did have some good throws. Yes, he did. But uh, but when they were down a little bit, he got a lot of yardage. You know, all that fake fantasy fantasy league yardage. Yeah, yeah, that thirty know? yard run. Yeah, which is the weak. third quarter. And uh, Rabel was fantastic the yep. way he's coaching, giving his team. And I think Harbaugh was totally outcoached. Uh, I think he kind of, uh, I don't know what he was thinking, going for it early on, on fourth down. It was too early in the game to start that. Yep. wasn't important. And then later on when they just shut down, the play was just terrible. So um, Well, I mean, it, I mean, I agree. I mean, although it was early in the in the first quarter to go for fourth and one and be stopped, but uh, that was they they had not been stopped all year on fourth down yet. So that is their strength. So I can't really fault him for going for it there, although it was eventually, early. Eventually, the odds have to even right. out, you know. Right, but the, and, uh, and that, it wasn't the right time. It wasn't 
the momentum wasn't needed right. at that time. It right. was just a bad call, I thought. And you know what? And, and, and that's another example of how Vrabel outcoached him. That I, mean, I wrote the note, great coaching by Vrabel. He, he knew like what was going to happen before it happened. Oh, it was beautiful. And the 49er game, they, they were fantastic. I love that team. I think they're, they're, they look very strong. They can throw. They can run. Their defense, to me, I don't know. When they're, when they're all together on defense, that's front seven. Yep. To me, it's, it is a bold words, but I can't think of another defense other than the, the 85 Bears that are that dominating up front. Yeah, and you had, when they, they, when they, had, they when they when they go after that quarterback, they're they're, they're unbelievable. They had the offensive lineman seemingly like on roller skates going backwards. I mean, it uh, was just I couldn't. Be, I was watching it like, oh my god, this is the star of the game. This whole line, unbelievable. Yeah. Bosa is great. He's Bosa. everywhere. Yep. A lot of guys I don't even know their names, but they really they just keep coming in waves. They got that um, veteran leadership. With Sherman in the yep. backfield, mm-hmm. and there's another guy who bet on himself. He had his, he was his own agent, had a great another great year, and uh, they look good. They, to me, I think it's going to be, I think it's the Niners and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and anything can happen. Yeah, That's well, what I think. Lenny, thanks for the call, and I hope we could talk next week when we we know um, at least one of the teams. I I would think right coming into the Super Bowl. No, the, the 19th is what, next Sunday. So we were going to be previewing those games um, on the 19th. So they both play on the 19th, both the AFC Championship and the NFC Championship. And we will have certainly a better picture of, of who that will be. So right now, as it stands, the Titans are playing in the AFC Championship versus the winner of the Texans and Chiefs. And then we have later on, or I, I don't know, I'm not sure if this is going to be the later game. I would assume it would be. The number one seed 49ers will be taking on next Sunday the winner of the Seahawks and Packers game from the late game tomorrow. Later today, I should say. Sunday. Marty in Westchester, you're on the fan. Yes, good morning, Daniel. How are you? Good. How are you, Marty? Good, good. I guess like a lot of Giant fans, I was uh, very disappointed when uh, it was announced that Mike McCarthy was going to the Cowboys. Yes. But Again, I watched the press conference, the Joe Judge press conference. I must say I came away very impressed. I mean, he stressed, he said all the right things. He stressed discipline and accountability. Uh, but now it's up to David Gellerman and the scouting department to, to help uh, judge out and, you know, come up with uh, A defense? what they need. <laughs> they need, uh, well, offensive line, of course, needs some upgrading, and specifically the defensive unit. Yep. So. Uh, I know John Maris said that they're not going to go heavily into free agency, but I'm sure they're going to have to look at a dominant defensive player from, from, from free agency and then work from there once the draft comes along. And I think that, did you hear, I think one of my favorite things about Joe Judge was the fact that he is so entrenched um, in the scouting department. That was a big plus for me, and I feel like Dave Gettleman and him can work very well together in that department. Oh, most definitely, yes. Um, uh, like I said, he he was very impressive, and um, you see what happened today with the uh, 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 Niners and the uh, and uh, the Titans. I mean, uh, the the running attacks of both teams. Uh, you know, this is a copycat league, and a lot of teams that are looking on the outside are watching this. Uh, it's been a pass-happy league for the better part of the last decade. Right. There might be a little bit of a change here based upon what's happened today. Well, that's good news for the Giants that they have one of the premier backs in Saquon Barkley. Hopefully this new coach Absolutely. knows how to use him 
north and south rather than east and west. Yes. I'm tired of seeing that. Right. Of course, and, you know, I have a strong rushing attack. That takes a lot of pressure off the defensive unit, too, because, uh, you know, they're on the sidelines a little bit longer. So, I mean, hopefully everything will come into play, and it's going it's to take a while. It's not going to, you know, not going to happen overnight, but, uh, you know, hopefully the Giants will uh, get on the right path after these three miserable seasons. Yeah, and Marty, thanks for the call. The Giants have won, what was it, 12 games over the past three seasons? I mean, that has been miserable, and that has not been a trend for um, – for the Giants and their fans, I mean, let's be honest, the, the Giants are uh, like the Yankees, you know, winning, always in, always in the hunt and winning. And I think the the Joe Judge era, I you know, like I said, I'll be honest. I mean, when we were last week talking about head coach candidates, you know, we talked about Eric Bieniemy, we uh, Chris Richard, we talked about, and all these guys. We talked about five or six guys, and I saw his name, and I was like, ah, Joe Judge, who. You know what? And, and I didn't even look into him for you guys. Now, and here we are. Joe Judge is the new head coach of the Giants. And, you know, the top, well, coming into this game, four of the, the t- top rushing teams, as as he was just saying, uh, are in the playoffs. And the Giants have Saquon Barkley. Now, if you upgrade that offensive line, which could theoretically create some holes for you, for him, and he can run north to south, He's got destructive, destructive capabilities. When he starts going east and west, and that was a, a trend this season, he was running east and west. He he doesn't have that. He, that he's not that kind of a running back. You know, he's fast. He's strong. Put him between between the linemen. Don't make him bounce outside to try and turn a corner. He's not that kind of a guy, in my opinion, and you know, my humble opinion. But. um I, I would love to get into Joe Judge um, a little bit after the break. What what I liked from that press conference, and obviously nobody's winning the Super Bowl in a press conference. I get that. But he did say a lot of nice things, a lot of um, philosophical things that, that I do like. And then we can also talk about the Matt Rule. Um, well, the Matt Rule, uh, let's say bullet dodged. <laughs> okay, get on the phone, 877-337-6666. I am Danielle McCartan on The Fan. This is Joe Beningo. Join me and Evan Roberts tomorrow. We'll break it all down for you. Divisional playoff weekend. It doesn't get any better than that. We'll have it all. We'll look ahead to the AFC Championship game and NFC Championship games coming up. Carl Banks will also join us. We'll get his take. And we'll also get you set up for Monday night's National Championship game between the Tigers, LSU, and Clemson. Beningo and Roberts, 2-6 to six on the fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM, Sports Radio 66, WFAN, WFAN. UFAN FM, New York. Hey, good morning again, everybody. I'm Danielle McCartan here on WFAN Radio Airwaves, coming to you from Lower Manhattan. And the Giants have a new head coach. And, well, as a result, I mean, even before the Giants did, so do the Carolina Panthers and Matt Rule. And the highest annual salaries among NFL coaches. Are you ready? One. Bill Belichick, he makes $12 million a year. Then you got Pete Carroll, number two, John Gruden, number three, Sean Payton, four, John Harborough, five. And then you got Matt Rule as the sixth highest, or owning the sixth highest annual salary among all NFL coaches at $8.6 million for one single year of work. Um, he did, before accepting the, the Carolina Panthers job, he did, or his his agent, as we 
know from his press conference now, his agent circled back to the Giants to see if they would be willing to match the offer, and they did not. And he actually, one of the reporters in, in Carolina asked him that, you know, you know, you, you know, basically calling him out, like, did, did you really want to be here? Or, you know, because you did circle back with the Giants. And, he, and Matt Rule was like, humana, humana. He, he said the word, I literally accounted five times. He was like, I, 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 uh, and basically came out with some sort of excuse why his agent was the one making the phone call, not him. You know, he wanted to be in Carolina. Okay, so wait a second. So you mean you don't talk to your agent? I mean, come on. Uh, the Giants dodged a bullet with him for sure, definitely. Um, and then you got the Jets. And I've got Maurice Smith at Sneaker Boots HU um, on Twitter. He, he tweeted me and he said, As a Jet fan, I'm not sold on Geese, but he is the head coach and I hope he's the guy. And Le'Veon Bell, and he put the bell emoji, is a keeper. Well, yeah, of course Le'Veon Bell is the keeper. But I wish he had a coach that knew how to use him. And then at Rowdy88 said, Good morning, D Mick. I saw parts of Rules press conference. Wow. We dodged a runaway train there. So, um, you know, by the way, here's another thing I came across. Did, did you guys see this? Sam Darnold had thumb surgery. So Brian Costello tweeted or reported in an article that Sam Darnold had thumb surgery earlier this week. And first it was mono. Then it was a lingering knee injury and bruised ribs in the loss to the winless Bengals, by the way. Let's not forget that, everybody. And then the third injury was was the left thumb sprained after the Jaguars game, and he wore a brace on it ever since. And here we are. He had surgery this past week on his thumb, and it was to repair a ligament in his non-throwing hand. And he's expected to participate in all the off-season programs at home, and with the Jets come spring. But the Jets need an offensive line upgrade this offseason before Darnold goes the way, goes the way of Andrew Luck. And that would be my 2020 draft idea for the Jets. Offensive line. Use the Tennessee model, please. Paul in Jackson Heights, you're on the fan. Yeah, hi, Daniel. Uh, you were talking about Adam Gase mm-hmm. and uh, Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted to call you about. I'm really mad that Gase doesn't use Bell properly. Mm-hmm. You have this great running back, and he, you know, he doesn't run in. There's no blockers in front of him. They give him the ball and tell him to run at these little linebackers. And then when you see um, the guy on the Titans, I mean, he's great. He reminds me of Earl Campbell. But still, you know, design an offense with the players you have. Correct. And that's something that came out of the Joe Judge press conference too. He, he you know, he is evaluating the players at, and the skill set that they bring and planning accordingly. I don't think Adam Gaze does that. <laughs> I mean, what's that all about? That's what I want to know. Well, I don't know. I would like to know that answer too. I mean, that's a sign of a bad coach because you know when he and I'm a Jet fan, but you know I appreciate the Giants. Yes. You know he's willing. He changed it up when he had to. And who was that? Who changed up when he had to? Well, Parcells. Oh, Parcells. Okay, okay. You cut out for a second. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and not to mention the fact that Le'Veon Bell is one of the, as a running back, one of the best pass-catching running backs in the league. I mean, they, they didn't even use him in that sense. And he has a great attitude. He really wants to be a Jet. When do you ever hear that? I know. I know. Mike McCarthy, that was the last time I heard that. 
Yeah, and, and so they get the guys that want to be here, and then they piss them off. And I don't know, it's like I'm attached to this t- team since I was nine years old. I know, I know. And it's, it's been, you know, I don't have to explain it to you. I know, it's hard. It is hard. And, and Paul, thanks for the call. That And that's why, guys, that is why I am so hard on, on Adam Gase because he's got talent on this roster. This guy has talent on this roster. The defense plays out of their minds thanks thanks to his defensive coordinator. That's no thanks to Adam Gase because you saw the report that, that he doesn't even watch defensive practice. So his defense have, has saved him at many junctures throughout this season, and he can't get anything going with his offense. Yet he's the offensive guru. You guys know the whole story. You know my, my shtick on this. But I'm so hard on them because the Jets have talent. They've got Le'Veon Bell. Sam Darnold, they've got young t- tight ends. Griffin is a great tight end. And, you know, wide receivers cause you could use an upgrade. I mean, I'm talking, you know, if Robbie Anderson wants to come and stay for less than, I don't know, $10 million a year, by all means, you can come and stay. He's not a number one receiver. He never will be. And if he went to, let's just say, the Patriots, I'm not sure he'd even make their team. Right? I mean, they've had, what's their last receiver? Mohamed Sanu? Mohamed Sanu is way better than Robbie Anderson. Tommy in Pennsylvania, you're on the fan. Hey, Daniel. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Uh, I was going to ask you there uh, about the Green Bay Packers uh, something. But, yes. Uh, I was, before I do, I was going to ask you, what's a coordinator do exactly? Coordinator? Uh Game plan, in-game adjustments, uh, matchups, doing the homework. Sort of like helping the coach. Helping the head coach. That's the idea. Sometimes, though, they have the head coach calling the plays, which I, I'm not a fan of that at all. Oh, okay. Because uh, Matt McClure on the Green Bay Packers mm-hmm. used to be the uh, Titans uh, coordinator. Mm-hmm. And uh, before that, uh, somebody else's coordinator. And then before that, he was a coach. But uh, I was just wondering, uh, I figured he came from somewhere like the Titans, the last place he was. But uh, Yeah, he was the offensive coordinator for the Titans in 2008. Yeah, I don't know uh, who he coached I'm for sorry. in the beginning. But, uh, oh, because it goes back four years probably. Well, he, I mean, his resume is Atlanta Falcons quarterback coach. Then he became the uh, Los Angeles Rams offensive coordinator, Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator, and now here he is as, as the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. Who is he the coach for? Who is he the coach for? The, the, first, the first one you said? Quarterbacks coach for the Falcons. That's it. Yeah. The quarterbacks coach, yeah. Now, on the Packers uh, in the Seahawks game, how do you see that playing out the, as far as the, did you pick them on your fantasy football, or did you to uh, win that game, or the Seahawks Packers, the upcoming game down in Lambeau, like to, like later today game? Yeah, yeah. All right, Tony, Tommy, we're, we're gonna hang up on you so you can listen to the well, answer. It's gonna be about below twenty below. I know it's gonna be a cold one. Twenty degrees or so. Yep, yep. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop you just so you can listen to the answer here. So he asked, so let's do it. Number five Seahawks at the number two Packers, six forty p.m. The Packers, um, I checked point spread on Tuesday. They were oh, four-point favorites on Tuesday, and now 
they last I checked, they were four and a half point favorites. So it has increased. So we're looking at another quarterback showdown between Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. And I saw this and I had to look it up again. They have the two highest career passer ratings in history. In history. I had to fact check that with the second website just to make sure. Um, those two guys have higher quarterback ratings than, than Joe Montana, than Tom Brady, than Steve Young, than literally any quarterback in NFL history to ever play the game. That, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I could, you know, maybe yeah, I could see it, but Russell Wilson kind of surprised me. He really did. Because you always think of him as, as, as you know, the guy that, that runs around and makes plays with his legs. So you got Russell Wilson versus the Packers, right? In six career regular season games at Green Bay, or versus Green Bay, Wilson has a lower completion percentage than for his career numbers and 20 points lower on his rating. But he has a better touchdown-to-interception ratio. I mean, Russell Wilson is integral in this game. It's like, here's the two Russell Wilsons. In the NFC Championship game, he completed only 48 0.3% of his passes with one touchdown, four interceptions, 44 rating. Then Seattle won at home. Wilson had a 68 completion percentage. Two touchdowns, zero interceptions, 110 rating. So this is the tale of two Russell Wilsons. The Seahawks start and end with him. Did you also notice that the leading rusher on the roster is Russell Wilson this season? He threw, and, and just last week, he threw for 325 yards, ran for 45 yards. And Seattle's backs in that game, all of them, including Marshawn Lynch, they combined for 19 yards on 17 tries. So, Russell Wilson, let me do a quick math, over doubled, ran for over double than all of the running backs combined last week. And, like I said, this is going to start and end with Russell Wilson. So how does that stack up against the Packers' defense? Well, pretty good in the favor of, of the Seahawks because the Packers are ranked 23rd in the regular season in yards per, ca- for, uh, per game in rushing, giving up. And they give up 20, they're 26th in yards per carry. But, though, they are third best in allowing yards to quarterbacks in particular. So this is not just a rushing game for Wilson. This is obviously going to be involving Travis Homer and Marshawn Lynch, uh, the running backs for the Seahawks. And how about the Packers' defense in the regular season? Well, you know, it's uh, it's not the best beyond their excellent pass rush of, of Smith squared, and that's going to be the focal point of that defense. The yards per pass attempt, 21st. Yards per catch, 27th. And for the Packers' offense, we are talking mostly about the impact of Aaron Jones, not Aaron Rodgers being the key component. I mean, Aaron Jones, here was the other one. I had Justin Tucker and I had Aaron Jones on my team and still came in third or fourth, whatever. But in the regular season, he had 16 touchdowns. You know what? That was tied with, guess who? Derrick Henry for the most in the NFL regular season. So how does that stack up against Seattle's rush defense? And pretty good for the Packers. Seattle gives up a ton of yards a game for the rushing game and a ton of yards per carry. Like, bottom third of the league in both. And fourth most yards allowed to running backs. So, my key player for the Seahawks is going to be Russell Wilson. 
my key player for the Packers, Aaron Jones. And then you got the Seattle defense versus Aaron Rodgers. Seattle defense is third in the league in takeaways. Fifth in interceptions, by the way. Aaron Rodgers has only thrown four interceptions all season. He's got the lowest interception rate in all of the NFL. And by the way, the Packers sort of kind of struggle to get into the red zone. But once they're there, they are eighth in the NFL in success rate. The Seahawks red zone defense, by the way, 26th. I don't know how this game's going to play out. I mean, I was 0 for 2 today. I'm going to sit here and own it. I was 500 last week, but, but zero today, earlier today. So I, I'm, I see, here's the thing. I just like how multidimensional that the Seahawks are. They've got the ground game with Lynch and Wilson. And once the defense has committed to stopping that, they've got the passing game with Lockett and Metcalf, who, by the way, DK Metcalf, I look back in my notes, he was my number one receiver coming out of the 2019 draft class. He was number one for me. And to see him get passed over and to have him have his moments with the Seahawks is great. I think this is going to be a fast game. Lots of running involved. Lots of clock movement, which is good because it's the later game. Everybody has to go to bed and go to school. Um, but I just think the Seahawks are going to try to utilize that. They're going to try and control the clock with their legs, whether that be Wilson or any of the running backs. And they're just they're going to keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands. And if they could do that, if they could keep the ball moving – and at the closing minutes, they can keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands. I think they win the game. I've got Seahawks 21, Packers 17. And we'll hit more of the calls after the break. 877-337-6666. It's NFL Division- Divisional Playoff Weekend. And I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. Sports Radio 66 And good morning again, everybody. I am Danielle McCartan here on WFA and Radio in, in New York City. And it is has been very warm. I mean, it feels like, like a spring day and night. And also tomorrow might feel like summer. Oh, my God. It is a little rainy, though. I do have my little rain jacket. Um, you know, I, on the break, I was uh, just... Cruising Twitter, cruising through Twitter at Coach MCCARTAN. See what you guys have to say about the show. Um, a couple things came through. And before I get to that, I want to remind you that we have uh, the All Pro, three time All Pro, Tony Richardson joining us at 420 this morning. So at 420, we have Tony Richardson joining us. We'll preview the Chiefs game later today and we'll talk the Giants and Jets, you know, the New York Lens as well, um, especially in regards to the Giants' new head coach and what the Jets need to do moving forward. And so what I found on on Twitter uh, were some interesting things, and, and I know there's not a source, but he, he looks like he did his homework. Jay, Jay White at W-H-Y-T-E-G-6 said that there's been 23 teams in the history of the NFL that scored over 500 points in a season, and only four of them won the Super Bowl. The Ravens are the latest victims, scoring 500 points and not winning the Super Bowl. He cited the 94 49ers, the 98 Broncos, the 99 Rams, and 2009 Saints. And now, I guess it's five, the 2019 Ravens. So it just goes to show you that the playoffs are a different animal for sure. I mean, it's just, I, and you guys that are killing, uh, I was going to say Jamal Adams, you guys that are killing at um, Lamar Jackson, you know, 
it happens. I mean, the, the Titans' defense shocked everybody today. And then the other tweet I came across, which has 23,000 likes, is from Emmanuel Acho. Emmanuel Acho, who is now, what is he on? Uh, what's it? Good Morning Football, I guess it is. He's on. He tweeted at 1029 earlier tonight, imagine a coach who convinced us that Ryan Tannehill, Kenyon Drake, and Devontae Parker were no good. Giving him another head coach job and letting him convince us Le'Veon Bell and Sam Darnold aren't that good. I wish you luck. Hashtag Jets. <laughs> this is the narrative that I've been saying for weeks now. And if you guys, you're more than, everybody's more than welcome to join my bandwagon on that. Because when you look at what he, the body of work that Adam Gase has done, and, and Emmanuel Acho, you are more than welcome to come on my show and talk about this if you'd like. It's not just Tannehill, Parker, Drake. It's Amendola, Gesicki as well. Those are my case studies. All of them are putting better numbers up, including with a first-year offensive coordinator in Miami. I mean, it's just... And then when you look at the, the, the real telltale thing is everybody slammed Todd Bowles for saying, oh, he's a defensive dude. You know, there's no way uh, that he can he can coach a young quarterback and blah, blah, blah. Guess what? When you look at the stats, when you look at the numbers, in exactly the same number of games played, 13. Well, the numbers for Sam Darnold are almost mirror images, almost identical between him and Bowles and him and Gase. What does that tell you, everybody? Let's head back to the phones, 877-337-6666. Let's head out to East Rockaway. And Mike, you're on the fan. Morning, Daniel. Top of the morning. How are you? Good. I'm in Myrtle Beach, uh, South Kakalaki. <laughs> Checking in this week. <laughs> What's Checking up? Checking in. I was telling Pat, uh, unfortunately, I have to get a battery uh, tomorrow on my Tacoma, so I oh. can't listen to the whole show. Oh, no. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, first thing, uh, Danielle, and I usually get <clears throat> get to the point, and, but, but I'll speak a little if I could. Sure. The Animal Kingdom uh, assignment you gave me last week I apologize. I was watching Eric Clapton YouTube and music. I was a drummer. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> For about an hour and a half last week on the show, you know, the guy from Ronkonkoma talking about, uh, you know, the wild boars yeah. and there's, there's traps up there and they can't, they can't walk vertical. Traps and in I the trees. And said, <laughs> yes. I, I say they can walk vertical for four to five steps, but I'll investigate that. <laughs> okay. And if they want to be referred to as hogs, I'll investigate, investigate that too. I know, you the, know. The guy corrected us. Remember, that it wasn't you. It was somebody else that said, no, that's not what they're called or something. And then, then I was all confused. Yes. I didn't know what to call them for the rest of the show. <laughs> I was too. I was like, what? I'm from but, New Jersey. I've never seen one in my life. I don't know. <laughs> I said, I'm from Strong Island, South Shore, Strong Island. Oh, funny, man. Uh, you know, your show, Danielle, you're like Tony Page, uh, my man Tony. Uh, I said, Tony, you got a jazz show as a drummer perspective. You let everybody say what they want to say, uh, and, and you just you just do it well. Um, Thank you. It's a good listen. Uh, longtime Jet fan used to watch him at Hofstra, mm-hmm. you know, Joe Willie yeah. and everybody else. It's great you're going to have Tony Richardson. I wish I could hear that interview. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, I'm glad I don't bet anymore. I told JJ the last bet I made was the Giants over the Buffalo Bills. I think that was 86. And uh, I, I don't bet anymore. For everybody out there that wants to bet, you know, especially you young uh, uh, studs, uh, <laughs> to just yeah, just think about this, okay? Uh, 
when you try to get even, you get even worse. So, you know, do what you want to do. I would have lost yesterday if I was betting. Uh, so would you, Danielle, right? With, with the Ravens losing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody would have. Definitely. And like you said, it's a different it's a different animal, the playoffs. Yep. Um, whatever the case may be. A wild boar. It could uh, be a wild boar. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's it. Wild. How about wild horses, the Rolling Stones? That's <laughs> an... <laughs> But, you know, one of my favorite coaches of the Jets, I go back to we, uh, Eubank, mm-hmm. is Herman Edwards. You play to win the game. Yep. You play the game to win. And I'll tell you, I'll, I'll leave you with this. Woody Johnson, I, I could talk about Gettleman and, and what he's got to do. Oh, please. And judge. But uh, uh, with the Jets, expect the unexpected as a longtime Met fan, too. And when Woody Johnson uh, fired his GM, his offensive coach and his defensive coach, and and he holds on to Rex. I call him a cartoon character. Ryan, really, <laughs> anything can happen in personnel. Uh, but you know, Danielle, I'll let you go. Uh, you got people on deck, and it's always uh, good to listen to you on the radio. I'll I'll speak to you again. I appreciate it, Mike, and I will. Uh, I will be sending out, and and also too the the Tony Richardson interview will live live on. Here's a little commercial for what is it there. Let's see. Let's see if I can read this here. Go on the radio.com app and download and favorite WFAN today. And it says uh, you can ask your smart speaker to play WFAN. So actually it's going to uh, live live there for the next 24 hours. So you could just go back on it. So again, Tony Richardson will be with us at uh, 420 this morning. Let's head out to Brooklyn. Stuart, you're on the fan. Good morning, Danielle. A pleasure talking to you as always. Of course. Uh, the judge, the judge interview was very interesting, and he showed a poise that, like, you don't see many thirty-year-old people at, at that are going to into his position. He showed poise. He showed that he had command of the room. Yes, and it was very nice to see a refreshing face, someone who has motivation. And look where he comes. Look, no, nah, I'm not saying everybody that comes out of Belichick's tree and Saban's. Three are going to be good, mm-hmm. but he seems to be like he seems to know what he wants and well know adjusted. how to get there. Yeah. And um, the Tennessee Titans, did anybody see that coming? No, I don't think anybody did. Uh, nobody saw it coming. It shakes everything up. Yep. And how many people lost money? Oh, oh a lot. boy. <laughs> a lot of people. A lot of people. And like just like that caller before said, when you try to get even, if you're losing, you you'll never get there, and again, in fact, what he said was true. It gets worse. I mean, I I used to bet on horses, and I went to Bridgeport Highlight back in 1979. I'm sorry, and uh, yeah, you never. And the last time I put down a bet on a horse was by the name Cam Feller in ni- November of 1982. And did you win? Mm, yeah, he won, but he paid short odds. Okay. You know, he was the favorite. But, uh, you know, I liked the horse. And, you know, it was, uh, that was at Roseville Raceway, which is no longer in existence. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, part of uh, Roseville Field, I believe, now. But the thing is, when you do gamble, it's very, 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 very dangerous because you can get into a hole where you might not get out of. Right. And I had a friend of mine who didn't get out of it, and he paid the price. Um, I'm not going to go into details. But getting to the uh, other point... 
the, 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 getting off football for a minute with the Yankees, let's just say that they should stay healthy. And I think that, that maybe by switching the training staff, that might give them a different idea of how to go about things. Right. And the thing is, all these athletes today are wound so tight that if they make a wrong move, something's going to happen. And that, I don't know if that, I don't think that works too well for people. I mean, if they're wound so tight, anything, any wrong move, you're going to, uh, something's going to go. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, and the, and the problem is with that, and Stuart, I'm, I'm up against a break a little bit, so I'm going to have to let you go, but the, the problem with that is that these athletes are, are such commodities, and they're such high-paid assets that just an injury is just devastating for both the player, the team, and the fans. And, you know, that as you were talking, I thought of a story that I, my high school gym teacher um, told us. I won't say his name, but when we were doing the basketball unit, um, he said there was a coach, and the coach's name is John Wooden. And the first lesson that John Wooden ever taught on day one, he would tell the kids or the players to take off their socks and shoes, and then he would teach them the proper way to put the socks back on and he showed them how to do it. They all did it that way. And why is that? He said, that's your first lesson. You see, if there are wrinkles in your socks or your shoes aren't tied properly, you will develop blisters. And with blisters, you'll miss practice. And if you miss practice, you won't play. And if you don't play, we can't win. That's the kind of coach, the tension to detail that I can appreciate. And as you were talking, it just made me think of that. That little story, a little nugget there about John Wooden, um, obviously one of the best coaches to ever coach basketball. So coming up after the break, we're going to have Tony Richardson, former New York Jets and uh, um, Hall of Fame member of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I am Dan McCartan on WFAN. I'm going to Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come. Down to Kansas City we go. We are with Tony Richardson, three-time All-Pro, former New York Jets, and probably more importantly, for this weekend anyway, member of the Kansas City Chiefs Hall of Fame. Tony, thanks for joining us on McCartan After Midnight this week. Thanks so much for having me. Tony, i got to talk to you because you are going to be our Chiefs expert this week because there's a lot of games going on and they're all, unfortunately, out of market for us, you know, out of our teams. No New York Giants, no New York Jets. So this comes up every year, and I wanted to ask you my first question is, in your opinion, I mean, the Chiefs had that week off. In your opinion, having played the game at the highest level, Tony, that extra week off, is it detrimental or advantageous to a team? So now you're actually bringing up a very, 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 very sore subject to me because when I was in Kansas City, uh, I think we had three opportunities where we had the best record in the NFL, uh, home field advantage to the playoffs, and the first week, first time, first week bye, mm-hmm. and all three times I actually lost. So, uh, People have always asked me that question, and I personally feel, I think because I'm just from experience, I feel like um, you get rusty in that week. Because now, you know, obviously watching the playoff games last weekend, like these teams are have a little bit of momentum, uh, whether if you're on the road, whether if you're at home, if you had to come back, you were planned uh, while everyone else is at home. So for me, in my personal experience, I said if I can do it back and run my career all over again, I wish – I say you don't want the best record, but that bye week sometimes you can get a little rusty because the team that the teams that played last week they're going they're going to be ready to roll. Now, is it advantageous in a way maybe that you've you've watched? I mean, I know the game broadcast is different than coaches tape, but could you watch and could you see, or or is it just the whole schedule, the rhythm that's thrown off? 
I, I think it's a schedule in the rhythm because you try to, I mean, the coaches I had, we had Marty Schottenheimer, mm-hmm. um, Coach Ramil. So we've had coaches that had experience. Um, obviously, Coach Ramil won a Super Bowl and uh, with the Rams. But, um, you know, the thing about it, I think the coaches try to keep that week, the absolute thing. They try to make it as physical. But the thing I know now is just, you know, because I was on the executive committee that put together the, the, the last 10, the, the 10-year CBA. So now what I really know, the guys, they're not really doing anything in practice as it is. So for me personally, I just I just really believe, like, the team that sits home and, and there's nothing but rest. And the team like Baltimore, who has some injuries, they need to rest. Mm-hmm. But I just think that, you know, for me, just watching the tape and watching the, the, the TV copies, I think the teams that don't play are actually – they have a disadvantage. Interesting. So my next question was going to be, the Chiefs are favored by nine and a half points. Wow. <laughs> Is there any way that the Chiefs could possibly lose this game? Uh, there you go. I, could, I, I don't want to put it in the air. Yeah. Obviously, I got a lot of friends that are going to that game and a lot of my buddies on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a chance. I mean, there's a, there's a really good chance. Um, but there again, this one thing I can definitely say, and I do believe in home field advantage, uh, Arrowhead's going to be rocking like none other. Um, I really believe if the Chiefs jump out early, if they because the good thing about Patrick Mahomes, like the years I was there, obviously we had Coach Mill, we had Priest Holmes, Tony Gonzalez, Eddie Kennison, Trent Green, like we were we were rolling like our offense, like one, and we actually scored thirty seven points and lost thirty eight to thirty seven. Yeah. So yeah. so points uh the last few years that points wasn't a problem, but I really believe in Patrick Mahomes. I really believe Eric Benny. I believe in this and this and and their their pass attack and their running game. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely a chance they could. Um, they could uh the Chiefs could lose at home and I would say that just because, you know, that mindset. Houston went into Kansas City earlier in the season and came out with a victory. So in their mind they they're like, Okay, arrowhead, okay, no problem. Mm-hmm. We've been there, we've done that. All we have to do is play our game and we can beat them. So there's definitely a, a, there's a chance the Chiefs could lose at home. I just checked the weather forecast just before uh, you called in and it there doesn't seem to be any impact for Sunday's game. So in terms of quarterback play, we're yeah. obviously going to be treated with a matchup of the two, two of the best quarterbacks in the league. you got Mahomes on one side, Watson yep. on the other. Speaking now, I guess from a quarterback's perspective, who would have the better matchup to go against defensively? Uh, to go against defensively, I'd probably say uh, if I was what defense should probably match up against these quarterbacks, yeah. I'm definitely going to say that, um, that the Chiefs defense, I think, will match up. Because if you start looking at me, obviously – you know, Hopkins, who I believe is arguably one of the best receivers in all of football. Um, but I just think, you know, getting Chris Jones back, um, the interior pressure, um, the the crowd noise, um, these guys will be able to, you know, get off the ball and all those kind of things. I think the Chiefs defense will match up better against um, against Houston than, uh, than the Houston defense against, them, against Mahomes. Then I see Travis Kelsey's name pops up on the injury oh, report. He's got five touchdowns, and he, I did a little digging here. He is Mahomes' favorite pass catcher by number of targets and mm-hmm. obviously then has the most receiving yards on the team. If he can't go on Sunday, what's the contingency plan? Oh, my thing, if he, if he can't go, that line is going to change, and um, I'm, I would say that he's going to win. But I, I, know, I know him really well, and, you know, I don't think his injury is that serious. But if he can't go, that, that changes everything. That changes everything for the outside receivers. That changes everything for the running game. I mean, you know, to me, the tight end position is arguably the most important position in all of football minus quarterback. Mm-hmm. And there again, I kind of take it back to my old years when um, we had Tony Gonzalez. When, I mean, you just – tight ends are, 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 are quarterback's best friends and their defense is nightmare. So if you take Travis Kelsey out of that lineup, then, yeah, I think things are going to change. But if Travis Kelsey can play, then that's – I mean, he, like you said, he's the number one for targets. Uh, he's just a great football player. I mean, he blocks in line, 
you know, good enough to, to get the running game going. But you get him matched up against a, a safety or a corner or definitely a linebacker, just, there's not anybody that really can cover him. Interesting. You said not that serious. Have you been in contact with him? You know, how how, how do you know that? <laughs> uh, well, he's a buddy of mine. I can't, I can't necessarily say I've been in contact. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's trying to get me in trouble. But I don't, I don't think it's that serious. He'll definitely play. So I'm just going to say that. <laughs> okay. So for then let's, let's take it from the Texans' side there, Tony. For the Texans, we, again, saw the immediate impact of J.J. Watt on the game. And oh he's God. been limited yeah. in practice all week. Do you think one that it's a precautionary sit out of practice, and do you think he's going to play? Yeah, he, he's definitely going to play. I think it's just precautionary. I mean, um, and I was actually so pleased. I think it's not only good for their team, but it's good for football just to see JJ Watt back. Yeah, obviously he's one of the best, you know, uh, you know, defensive ends in the league. Also, just a great person. But yeah, he's definitely going to play. And I think for him, definitely. Like, I mean, when you get to that point in your career. Like not saying that practice is not important. We're not going to say that Alvin Iris in practice, practice. But uh, yeah. but for him, he knows the game. He knows what he needs to do. Um, you know, he he understands. He's a he's a film junkie. So he studies the game. A guy like that, if I was a coach, I would say, hey, just go sit down. I just need you to be ready to roll on a on a Saturday when the lights when the lights are on. So yeah, he's. I think that's all precautionary, and there's no re- there's really no reason for him to practice. I can't say that there's certain guys where they need the timing and all those kind of things, like receiver, quarterback. All those kind of things, but for a defensive end who who literally just needs to dominate that tackle, I think he's going to be just fine. All right, now Tony, we're talking with Tony Richardson here on WFAN. Now, Tony, before we switch gears to New York sports, what? How do you predict that Texans Chiefs will end on Sunday? Uh, Texans Chiefs. I'm going to go with. I'm a homer, so I'm going to go with the Chiefs. That line kind of scares me, so I get I got Chiefs by one touch now. I would probably say twenty-eight. 21 because I don't like I don't know nine points in any playoff game I mean, obviously we've seen it but I'm not gonna uh I'm gonna, I'm gonna say 28-21 alright so Tony's going 28-21 Chiefs I, I do that, think the Chiefs are gonna win too um I haven't really looked at scores yet but 28-21 sounds pretty good I might jump on yeah, with you there there you go <laughs> um now Tony you had some experience with this and, and with Rex Ryan in 2009 and you know he comes in he gives his opening press conference as a player now you're a player on the Jets in 2009 maybe even yeah you're watching this press conference of your new coach. What are like the top, let's say, three things or, or qualities? What What are you watching for in that? Yeah, you know, it's interesting enough, and I know where you're going with this. I think for me personally, I was actually talking to some of my friends. I think if I'm a younger player, then I kind of want to see just the direction. I kind of want to see his philosophy and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. When you're a veteran player um, that's been in the league for a long period of time, like, that whole rah rah shishkin bob, like all that, you can take that, you can take that and throw it out the window because this is that's not the game of football. You're talking about grown men who have families. Who this is a job. This isn't like a rah rah prep rally. So right. for me personally, I just want to know. Um, and you can't get anything from a press conference. That's one thing I was trying to tell everyone: just hold your horses. And I said, um, I know exactly where, where you're going, but yeah. it's like hold your horses. And I'm talking about the coach in Carolina. But like, hold your horses, like that whole. You need a Super Bowl. You need a Super Bowl. This region needs a Super Bowl. This isn't college. Like this isn't no prep rally. Don't be a marching band. Really, just come in and talk about your philosophy. Um, you know, I want to make sure you're a great leader. I want to make sure you. Number two, I want to make sure you care. Like I don't. You know, Coach Ramil used to always tell us like it doesn't matter how much you know until the players or the people you work with know how much you care. And that stick that statement sticks so it sticks in my mind every day. And I think about going into a business relationship, or going into anything. If, if, a, if a person genuinely doesn't care about the people that he's working with, then all the other stuff is out the window. And I guess number three is just uh, 
Uh, I mean, obviously, just knowing how much he knows. You know what I mean? And that's, I, you know, a lot of people are going to go, he has, he's a college coach, no no experience. So football is football. And, um, you know, I think if you can coach on one level, you can coach on the next. But y'all have rah rah stuff for me as a as a veteran player. I would have I would have tuned it out. So you are down on Matt Rule. I I guess I'm not saying I'm down on Matt Rule. <laughs> I'm down on the press conference. But okay. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just, I didn't, I didn't do too much on there. Yeah. So I, we obviously, and you even said, like, winning a press conference is is very far from winning a Super Bowl. But if you've seen the new Giants head coach hire, Joe Judge, yep. what would make you excited to play for him, or or not at all? See that that that's a very good question because you know some. I mean, I, obviously, I listen to this. I listen to your I listen to your show. I listen to everything else, and it's like everyone's like, oh, he's thirty eight years old. Mm-hmm. You know, what does he know? But the thing that I would take away from that and I would want to play for him because number one look at the pedigree look at the guys he's worked with so you say okay he's been in the Patriots organization uh he's worked with uh with Nick Saban so mm-hmm. I know he's been around some really really good um football coaches and football minds and also um and understands like how to put everything together then people say well he's not a, he's never been a, a offensive defense coach no he, he was a special teams coordinator but to me a special team coordinator probably has the hardest job than anyone because you're working with everyone. You work with every last single person on the team. I'm just like a strength coach. The, so if you're a, if you're a coordinator, you're working with offense and defense alignment from the punt. I mean from the kickoff. I mean from field goal, field goal block, and then all this other special teams. And and for me, as long as you have a routine, you have a discipline, and you see how to put that structure together, you can be successful. So I personally, I think the Giants, um, the future is bright, and I think that uh, I think he's going to do a phenomenal job. I don't. I would. If you're a Giants fan, I wouldn't say jump out next week and just think you're going to the Super Bowl because it's going to take time, and that's a, that's a beautiful thing, and that's the thing. And I speak to you know John Mayer is a uh, I don't say a buddy of mine. He didn't invite me over for dinner, but we do talk, and I do know his philosophy, and I do, um, you know, just listening to his press conferences, saying you know what this time this go around we have to be a little bit more patient. But in the same sense, I expressed to him how I feel and, and what we trying to how we trying to get an organization back on track. And I really believe they made a great hire. I think it's going to be a great hire for the Giants. Um, and, you know, personally, it, it, it might be one year one, year two. But year three, I think year three is when you're really going to see the results. Hey, you know, there was a lot of calls that I've taken here um, that Dave Gettleman maybe should have gone, cleaned house. I think there's a dis- level of distrust with, with Giants fans and Dave Gettleman, um, yeah. their general manager. Do you trust him with the rebuild? I like the way he drafts. I don't like the way he does free agency. Yeah. Um, and that, that is something because you, I don't know. I mean, I think you know the whole Dell back. I don't know. Still, I still to this day don't understand how you get rid of him. But I, mm-hmm. you know, I understand the philosophy. But don't tell. I mean, don't say one thing and do the next. Right. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm personally believe that I would just say blow the whole thing up and just start all over. And, that, and I'm probably right in agreement with you. Is just I don't know how you keep one and do the other. So I think if 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 the success is there. I think both people involved should go and just have a clean slate. Now, New York Jets. We're talking with Tony Richardson on the fan. The New York Jets, um, your former New York Jets, having been to the AFC Championship game with Rex Ryan twice. Twice, yeah. What is one thing as a player, Tony, that you're wishing for for the Jets moving into next season? Because it's it's no secret that I do not like the coach. But what do you think from a player's perspective? Next year, because um, I don't, I don't think I think it was it was. Uh, I don't think it was fair to really judge the Jets this particular year. And you can't say that because obviously 16 games, whatever. They they lose their starting quarterback um, to Mono. Uh, you lose your number one key free agent in football, uh, your um, C.J. Mosley. So you're already, you're, you're, 
And then obviously there's a musical chairs on the offensive line. They, I think one time they called me and asked me, could I play guard? And I was like, no, I can't come back. So <laughs> it's just one of those I, I just I honestly believe that year two is when I think we really should start making a, uh, uh, you know, really start judging the Jets and where the direction that they're going. Because now, you know, now I think in, in year two, because you have to get offensive alignment. If, if for me, if I'm drafting, that's our first pick is the offensive alignment. And then, and then from there, you can start putting pieces. You know, we got to make you got to make a decision whether you're going to, you know, what receiver you're going to be going to be Robbie Anderson back. I'm a Robbie Anderson fan, but yes, still, you still got to get weapons around your franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that you know, and I, it's so fun. I, I see it every single day. So where I live in Long Island City, I live directly across the street, or kind of cat corner to uh, the fire department. So you know our firefighters, fire departments, police department, all Jets. And so literally, <laughs> every single day when I'm walking my dog, they're like, hey, man, how is Jets going to do? I'm like, it's going to be great next day. How did Jets? I'm like, they ask me that every single day. And I love it, though, because Jets fans are like, you know, when are we ever going to get this thing right? Yeah. And so I think next year is going to be the year we're going to get it right. Well, you know, next year is going to be interesting, especially my final question is the, the AFC East. You would think the Jets are poised to take over the AFC East with this news of Tom Brady. My final question then would be, where does he go? Retirement, another year with the Patriots, maybe, or another team? I mean, for the sake of Jets, I wish he would get out of our division. <laughs> I don't know. To tell you the truth, I, and I and I um, and this is just me thinking. I, I I think he, I think he might go to California. I think he might end up with the Chargers. And it's just one of those things. And I'm not Tom Brady, so I don't have, yeah. you know, I'm not sure what his mindset is. Mm-hmm. But for me, I think playing one organization for 20 years. Um, you know, would you just want to do one more and call it a day? Because he's, he's by far the best quarterback in the nat- in the history of the National Football League. But do you want to tarnish your leg- legacy by going somewhere else? Um, I don't think he'll retire. That, that, that fire is still burning. You could tell in his press conference. You could tell in everything that's con- kind of transpired the last few days. The fire is still burning. Um, you just got to see if that fire is still burning enough for him to stay there, stay in, uh, stay in New England. But if I was Tom, I'd probably go to California and, and uh, enjoy the sun every day. One more thing, I just it came to my mind. How no much, do, on a scale of like zero to ten, ten being like the most, how much do the Buffalo Bills scare you in terms of if, in fact, the Patriots dynasty is over, are they going to be the ones taking over the East? Because in my mind, I thought it was going to be the Jets. No, it's so funny you said that because as soon as you said that Tom Brady's leaving and the Jets are going to take over the East, I'm like, hell on, yeah. Buffalo, yeah, Buffalo, and that's Buffalo scary because one, they have a, a, a young head coach, they have a young football team. If you look at their football team, they're extremely young. And the way they're playing defense, that's the thing about it. So for me, in, in anything, it always starts, even though I'm an offensive former player, but it always starts with defense. The way they're playing defense, I mean, you, you, you take a few plays away last week. I mean, they're up, what, 16 nothing at the half? Mm-hmm. Um, and end up losing that game. So I personally, I thought Buffalo was going to go into Houston and win the game. They end up losing by at, literally the last minute last minute play. They're, 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 they easily could be um, playing this, this next round. So I think Buffalo's going to be the team. Regardless of what the Patriots do, Buffalo's going to be uh, the team in the division I think that everyone's going to have to deal with for a few years. Wonderful. <laughs> well, Tony Richardson, thank you so much for coming on tonight, and obviously we appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me. And we're going to toss it over to Marco Belletti for the update. And we are back here at 4.40, just about 3 here in the morning. I am Danielle McCartan on the fan with you guys until 6 a.m. And uh, it's Bob, Bob Salter comes on at 6 a.m. So um, I, I'd like to talk. We've had some big news. We've talked a lot about the football playoffs. Sure, Titans upsetting the the, the Ravens and gambling and, and all that, right? But we had a really big, big story here 
in New York, and that is that the New York Giants have hired a new head coach. And uh, speaking of uh, upsets and underdogs, I mean, this is somebody that Joe Judge was, I'll be honest, not on my radar. And maybe that will be 0 for 3 this week because <laughs> uh, the Joe Judge, and I'm going to own the 0 and 2 day I had in, in the uh, the picks for this weekend uh, so far for the NFL Divisional Playoff weekend. So the introductory press conference, and I know, guys, that, that you don't win the Super Bowl in the press conference in the first week of January. I get it. I do. So t- those calls, you could keep them. Otherwise, I'll take the calls, 877-337-6666. But there's a few things that I looked for um, before – Judge even, I almost said Aaron Judge, <laughs> here we go. Before Joe Judge even started talking, there was a few things that I that I looked for. And one was, does he have a vision for this team? Two, um, does he have the tools to back it up? Uh, three, was he in charge of his own press conference? Four, will he establish fundamental play? And five, does he have pedigree? And we can go through this, and I know I have calls on hold, but you know, does Joe Judge seem to have a vision for a team that has only won 23 games since Tom Coughlin, that era, ended? Take out that first 11-5 and McAdoo season, and the Giants are looking at 12 wins over the past three seasons. So for me, that was like a so-so. He didn't hit it for me, but it was like a so-so because he really didn't address the vision other than kind of sort of referencing discipline. And which in and of itself is pretty much a given. No. And and by the way, I watched this a couple times. And I've been going back to the gym this week, New Year, New May, right? So um actually both the Matt Rule press conference and the Joe Judge press conference, I'm I'm running on the treadmill and I'm watching on this tiny, tiny TV. It's like thirty-three inch TV at the gym. I'm I'm reading the uh the closed captionings actually from like two treadmill lengths away. So um, I ended up having, I got the gist of them, you know, and I started thinking as I was running, and then I had to go back and watch them. Um, I watched Matt Rules once, and I watched um, Joe Judges like three or four times, actually, um, in preparation for you guys tonight. And, um, you know, you can re- obviously it's very different than reading the closed captions, so you, you feel the tone and, and the intonation of, of the words. And so for me, that was a so-so for the vision part. Mm. Um does he have the tools to back it up? I think so. And I, we talked about it a little bit before, but I love Joe Judge's teaching background. I love his scouting background. And the quote that stuck out to me in regards to that was, what I've prepared myself for was leading into every draft. I studied every player in the draft as a player and as an athlete. I'm used to looking at things from the big picture perspective on players in terms of what they bring to the team as a whole. And I want to know what kind of athlete this man is and how we can use his tools, tool set to our advantage. I like that. I like that he gets to know the player as a whole and plug them in. That's like the Bill Belichick way, is it not? And there was there was a story that that he kind of that wasn't a story, but basically like based on his experiences, he was saying that you know you need to have trust in the develop a trust two way trust in the player and the coaching staff, and you know he said that. You can't just tell them to just go do it. You got to show them how to do it. And 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 now we're going to talk a little bit about my coaching philosophy too. And it kind of aligns with that because, 
He said, and I, and as he was talking, I was reading this on the treadmill, like, oh my God, this happened to me. It's like, he says, there comes a time where you have to go ahead and go to the starting quarterback and say, hey, buddy, I need you to be the holder this week because we have an in- issue with an injury. Or you may have to go to a guy that's a starting linebacker and say, I, I need you to start on punt team for me this week. You haven't done it since training camp, but we need you. Or et cetera, right? He said you have to get to these people early on and develop a relationship with them and a relationship with the entire team to have them trust that you know that you have their best interest at hand and the team's best interest at hand. And just basically to get them in, buy them in, get them to buy in to the fact that this is team over me. And, you know, I've done that. I've done that, especially on the softball team. Like, hey, listen, like, I'm not going to say the name of the kid, obviously, but I said, listen, uh, you know, we have a couple pitchers coming up, and I know you've been working on your pitching every single week outside of regular practice hours. Um in addition to your lessons, but right now I need you I need you to be a shortstop. I need you to be my shortstop. And she looked at me and she was like, sure, whatever you want, whatever you need. And I was like, good. And it ended up working out. It ended up working out. So, you know, I've been in those situations as a coach. And you know what? I love that. I love that about him. And it's just developing that that buzzword culture. That's what that is. That's developing culture on a team and like I said that the buzzwordy phrase is develop a culture of uh you know it's not me over team and we'll continue along 877-337-6666 Kevin and Camden you're on the fan hey Danielle what's up not much um my thoughts on the judge press conference I honestly didn't know who he was when they announced I was like Oh, wait, did they say Aaron Judge or did they say Joe Judge? <laughs> um, yeah, but, I, you're not alone. A lot of people didn't know who he was. I, I, I think, though, he um, he said a lot of right things, like I said earlier, but I wanted McCarthy, as, as you already know. I called it a couple weeks ago about yep. that. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm kind of indifferent about it because, I'm, you know, I mean, talk, you know, as you know, talk is one thing, but actions are another, so we have to see what happens there. Right. But, uh, you know, the Titans, though, today was just kind of impressive. But, um, you know, as far back to the Giants, I just feel like, you know, as a fan, as a long-time fan of this team, I just want to see them win. It doesn't matter what you do. If, if they win, this could be great. You know, so it all depends on what happens now. So right. I, I, I trust them, but, like, you know, it's hard to get excited because, you know, it could be another bust. So... That's just how I feel about it. Yeah, I know, Kevin. And thanks for the call. And thanks for the hold through through the interview and all. And all. But, you know, I, I and I wanted to say this. I thought about this as soon as I, I, I actually slept for about 90 minutes before I got in here. And I, I was like, I can't forget to tell him this. I can't forget to tell him this and make this point. And I was scrolling through Twitter and at Lisa Marie Latino, L-A-T-I-N-O. Um, I saw it during during uh, the, the last break. And she wrote, the Titans are giving me Giants 07 and 11 Road Warriors vibes. And, of course, you guys know, being in the Giants market here, obviously, that that year that they were the wild card team. And what was that? 07, right? 07. Me and my dad actually had gone to that game in Tampa Bay. We went to that Tampa Bay game, and, and the Giants ended up winning. And I remember walking away from Raymond James Stadium, and my dad, I remember him saying, he's like, well, 
the Giants ended up uh, winning. Uh, what was it? What do you say? The Giants uh, live another week, and lo and behold, they ended up winning the Super Bowl that year. So um, the Titans are are giving off those vibes, and that's that's for sure. Dave in Comac, New York, you are on the fan. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Dave? I heard about what the Giants did. It's a big mistake. What? Oh yeah. Who did you want? McCarthy wow, or yeah. Rule? Rule? Did you watch that press conference? I, I was just about to get into that. What's that? Which press conference? The Matt Rule one. I thought that the Giants didn't even make uh, an offer to this guy. He didn't care. They didn't want to spend any money. They're well, cheap. They don't want to spend money. He's unproven. He's in. He's an unproven. Commodity. No, but you know what? Uh, the Patriots guy. Why? Because he's got uh, the Bill Belichick and Shady Brady. The guy's got no winning track record. I don't care what anybody says. This guy is just as bad as, uh, as Callaway or uh, Aaron Boone. Bad as Aaron Boone? As bad as Aaron Boone? Did That's you hear right. what you just, just said? As bad and inexperienced as Aaron Boone who's going nowhere, and I'm a Yankee fan. Aaron, oh, how could you say Aaron Boone is going nowhere? He's terrible. He hasn't won anything. Girardi is the one who won two championships. <laughs> I'm serious. Uh... Uh, okay, yeah, sure, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, but I can't. All right, yeah, that's fine. Uh, you got, the, 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 this guy that they hired from the Patriots has no track record. You should have rehired Coughlin. You need a pro- guy that's a proven guy. Coughlin is is beyond uh, his prime here. Uh, have you seen the lawsuits filed against him <laughs> in, well, one in, thing in Jacksonville? Do with the other. Uh, I you disagree. Got two Super Bowls with the, the with the Giants. Yeah, and how many Super Bowls does does uh, Joe Judge have? None. As a coach. What? As a coach? He was a special teams coach. Did you forget about that part? It doesn't really matter. As a head coach, he's, he does none. He's won three Super Bowls as a, as a special teams coach, wide receivers coach with the Patriots. I mean, I that, that's, that's more, I than, that's more than Matt Rule's won in, in the NFL, isn't it? What's that? That's more than Matt Rule has won in the NFL, isn't it? I thought Rick... Even Rex Ryan would be a better coach than uh, than uh, this guy, uh, Judge. All right, Dave, now you're just throwing out names here. I mean, really. I, I, I mean, Dave, have you seen the Matt Rule press conference? Did you see it? I mean, did you hear Tony Richardson say that the rah-rah is, is not going to cut it for the veterans in that room? Okay? They, they, the, the Carolina Panthers made Matt Rule, what, the sixth highest paid coach in the NFL? And he hasn't even had any experience, basically. Okay? Every player you talk to says that the break or the jump from college ball to to NFL ball is like it's like a different game, right? Everybody says it. Now you're gonna jump from a college coach to an NFL head coach. That jump has to be enormous. He's totally unproven. Totally unproven. And while you could say that the Giants new hire is totally unproven as well. At least he's won. Th- he's got three Super Bowl rings and two national champion rings, by the way, with Alabama. So three things popped out at me with this Matt Rule press conference, and I'm sure we're going to get cut off by the break, and I'll, and I'll talk about it after as well. But first thing that popped out at me, the first thing he said, the first thing that Matt Rule said was, quote, I appreciate you showing some of my old press conferences. I'm sitting here crossing some things out of my speech tonight. I'm like, whoa, that sounds like he's delivering the same message over and over and over again. Sounds like that's going to get real old real fast. Then he says, uh, oh, this is another one. 
My first recruiting trip, I had strep throat, and I called the coach thinking, like, coaches can have the day off. I didn't know at the time that coaches don't get a day off. He said, the head coach said to him, you have strep throat? Well, that's too bad. Get to Charlotte. You have to go recruit. And he says, so I get in the back of my car, and Julie, his wife, drove me all day around the schools of whatever county. She's a special woman. This is the same guy that tried getting out of a recruiting trip with strep throat? Are you kidding me? And his wife had to drive him around? Why couldn't he drive himself around? Meanwhile, Joe Judge is telling everyone to leave all that at the door. The direct quote from him was, and what that means is everyone comes to work every day, regardless of how they feel, puts the team first, period. Whether you ha- Whatever you have going on outside the building, you're sick, you're in a little bit of pain, you have discomfort, you're upset, you're mad, you put all that aside, you come in, and you put the team first. I mean, how do you try and get out of a recruiting group with strep throat? I mean, what? People go to work sick all the time. I think this is a trend because then, of course, you know about that trip to Mexico. And we'll talk more about that, obviously, after the break. But there was a lot of things that maybe scratched my head in, in this Matt Rule press conference. Although I did like the part where he did say that little short story about, you know, when his mom was the one that was throwing him passes as hard as she could, I think he said, in the backyard when he was younger. That, I definitely appreciate that. And... And I always, and I'll tell you, I tuned into the local commentary surrounding big events, and I always try and do that. And this time I tuned into the local commentary on the YouTube um, replay, which it was live. The comments were all live. And I got to tell you, I'm going to present to you some of these quotes um, after the break about what the the native Carolinians were saying about, about the Matt Rule press conference. I'll tell you what it reminded me of, and we'll finish up. That Mexico story. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll hit more of that after the break. And with your calls, 877-337-6666. We're going to do the Matt Rule, Joe Judge comparison here on McCartney After Midnight on The Fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN. Good morning, everybody. At 5 o'clock, or 5.05, I'm Danielle McCartan here on WFAN Radio in New York City. New York, New York. Warm, actually. Very warm. New York City. I'm loving it. This is great. We are in January, and we are having, what, 60-something degree temperatures. And this is awesome. This has been a great NFL divisional playoff weekend. And, I mean, I'm 0 for 2 on the Saturday games. I'm hoping for a a better Sunday um, and, and just so you know, we went a little bit into it before, but my picks are for Sunday. And again, I was 0-2 on Saturday, but, you know, I'm owning it there. Chiefs 21 and Texans 17, I'm going. And I'm going Seahawks 21, Packers 17. Same score. So I like the Chiefs and the Seahawks in this. Uh, my brother's a Packers fan, so I'm sure he's not going to like that too, too much. And of course, here locally in the New York area, the New York Giants have a brand new coach. And we were just talking about, you know, the things that I liked about him, things I was looking for, and did he hit those expectations in his opening press conference? And I know everybody that you don't win the Super Bowl in your upcoming in your in your opening press conference. I get that. I don't need those phone calls. I don't need those tweets. Um and, and I'm having conversations on Twitter during the commercials at coach M C C A R T A N over there. And we were just talking about Matt Rule. And the fact that he's totally unproven and how he is the, I don't know. Oh, by the way, look at this. 
The Tennessee Titans to win the Pro Football Championship on October 13th. They were 400 to 1 odds. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, that's just came across the TV. I had to share that with you guys because that's amazing. That comes from Caesars Sportsbook over there in Las Vegas. Um, so Matt Rule, I mean, totally unproven. The, the Panthers go ahead and make him the sixth highest paid coach in the NFL without having ever really stepped foot on the field uh, as a as a – a coach in any capacity other than an assistant, okay? And we talked about, I, I mentioned this first sentence was that he was afraid that he was he was crossing out notes already because he was using some of the same recycled lines from his old press conferences. And then he, he tried getting out of a, a recruiting trip with strep throat and his wife, Julie, drove him around all day to all the schools in whatever county. She's a special woman. Dude, really? Get a grip. And the final thing was... When he said, "I got off the plane from Mexico, we had spent a couple days there after the bowl game, and they were and 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 the rules were late to the meeting. When the he said, when the owner and the GM are already at your house before you get there, and when they help you carry things in, I'm like, wait a minute, what? First of all, that bothered me that he went on that trip to Mexico. I can understand he was if he was thrust into the spotlight for a head coach's job, but like after having interviewed for the Jets last year and garnering like a lot of interest this year." He knew he was going to have interviews lined up after his Baylor season. And you can either, one, plan the trip for a different time, or two, po- postpone it with your new humongous paycheck. You can afford it. So what's more important to you, Mexico or making the right impression and landing your first choice for an NFL job? Uh, and then he says, when later on, he says, when you live a life like that, when no days are throwaways, you can't be, you can be proud of the guy next to you. Wait, no days or throwaways? So, didn't, wait, wait, now I'm confused. And wait, why? How? Were you late to a meeting that was held in your own house? The fr- You're telling me the front office of the Panthers carried your kids' Barney suitcases into the house for you? What? And I'm running on the treadmill at the gym, and yes, I said I'm back at the gym, and I'm reading these closed captions from two treadmill lengths away. I couldn't believe what I was reading. So then I went home and watched it again. This time with volume. And it sounded like, this is what it sounded like, a Joel Olstein Sunday morning program to me. The echo, the inspiration, the no breaths between sentences, almost making him look sound like a politician. One sentence bleeds into another. What I didn't like, ultimately, was the number of times he used the pronoun I and the possessive adjective me or mine. And when he was asked by a guy named, I think it was Joe, Joe Person, if I heard correctly, about the Giants conversations he was having, he was like, he said, this is the quote, yeah, um, I, 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 and that's how it started. He, he didn't know what to say. He was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, he said, basically paraphrasing said, oh, my agent talks to different people, but for me, I, I only talk to Mr. Tepper. Um, wait, so you're now you're telling me your agent went rogue? Guys, the Giants dodged one here, I'm telling you. And I tuned into the local commentary, like I said. And these are direct quotes from the YouTube live stream, okay? Why does this sound like an acceptance speech? He didn't win anything. Hope he is as good as a coach as he is at talking. Why do you want to go to the NFL? Oh, well, 60 million reasons, that's why. People are calling him preacher rule. Someone said he's going to be a bust. Someone said amen after something he said. Someone else wrote, feels like he's giving a speech as a president. Feels like, And then when he was shouting out all the players, someone wrote, is he admitting he's starstruck? Someone wrote, don't be a buddy, be a coach. 
And then, you know, some did say that they liked his energy and that he was a natural-born leader. Um, I don't know. Although Mike McCarthy was my favorite of all the choices. I mean, just two things from his that I took away. He was choked up immediately. He said, my wife says I won't make it through 10 words. I think I got through about six. And on the culture of the Dallas Cowboys, you just don't see it. You feel it. I know Giants fans don't want to hear that. Um but Mike McCarthy was the number one choice. But, you know, Joe Judge, having really known nothing about him, I'm okay with it, I think. Mitchell in Fort Lee, you're on the fan. Yeah, hi. Good morning, actually. How are you? Good. How are you? Okay, listen, I was just listening to you for the last hour or so. Yeah. And uh, I have to tell you, as a, a Giant fan, I don't like the signing. Here's the reason why. Okay. If you look at, you know, you say everyone keeps on bringing about all, you know, he came from Belichick. Okay, that's great. But if you look, except for one head coach that's actually doing something, that's the Titans head coach, everyone else that's came from Belichick to become a head coach has not done very well. So, so why does everyone keep comparing everyone that worked for Belichick that you're going to be a good head coach? Where is, and then you say Rule is not a good head coach. Look what he did. He went from Temple, started a program there where he was, the team was a disaster, did well there. He went then to went to Baylor, where it was they had a one in fourteen record or one in six and whatever it is, mm-hmm. and he turned around the second year. The guy, I mean, doesn't there give more more credit to that than a guy that's just coming from? He was a special teams coach. Well, first of all, um, let me stop you right there because I had ne- I, I am did not compare him and Bill Belichick in any way. I'm talking about Joe Judge, the individual, and what he had to say and what he had to learn from Bill Belichick. Um, I'm not talking in comparison about that. That is not me. Maybe that you've heard that on someone else's program, but not here. And the second thing is I have experience with building programs. I was not the head coach. I was the assistant coach. So, yes, he can get some credit for doing that because it is not easy to do. I've done it. Okay, but I did not do it as a head coach. And, unfortunately, the head coach in my situation gets all the credit. So I would like to give some credit, a lot of the credit, to his assistant coaches in both of those programs as well. Okay, because I was the assistant coach, and I and right, I but, got no credit. <laughs> but, but 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 here's the question: what I'm trying to say, if if the, the, look what the, the Giants have done the last four, three or four signings, they 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 made a mistake after mistake after mistake. They had they had a coach there that was a Super Bowl coach. He won a Super Bowl, he, and 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 then you agree that you wanted McCarthy also. That was the number one choice to take. Yeah. That they should they had him in the building. They should have signed him. Yeah. You know what? When in in, in two years. I, when everyone haunts back and says, well, we're trying for a new head coach, it's going to be the same thing. And here's the other problem with the Giants. If you fire your head coach, you had to fire your GM. And you can't keep a GM in there. That you know, it's, it, it was amazing to me that beforehand, before, before they fired the head coach, he wouldn't do one interview. And uh, let's see, people from, from other, your WFAN tried to, try to talk to him, Mike and other people. Wouldn't go. Then after they get a new head coach, oh, he's going to do it. He's going to talk to anyone that wants to talk to the guy. Well, where has he been all these years for the last two years? Yeah. Why doesn't he talk to anybody? Right. It makes, and the giant regime made another mistake there. And they said, well, they're going on the right path. That's BS, in my opinion. That's really my opinion. And a lot more giant fans have called into the station and even called to you. People are not happy with this move. This is just going to be another flop and another two years we're going to waste. We're going to waste a running back. That's, we, have an, we have an all-star running back. Mm-hmm. We have a quarterback that's going to be a good quarterback. It's just going to be another disaster. In two years down the road, we'll have been the same predicament. 
Um, yeah, see, Mitchell, and, and th- thanks for the call. Uh, I, I, don't, I just don't see it. I mean, what I have saw and, and what I could base this on, I just don't see it. I think the Giants are actually in, in, in a good position. Um, and I, I, I was talking to someone about this today. The, the fact that, like you said, Dave Gettleman comes out and talks to everybody after the coach. See, I, just, I did not like how Pat Shermer was, was left stranded at that podium to answer questions that were directed or should have been directed at a general manager. That is what I didn't like. And I know or I've read that that's what Ron Rivera didn't like about Dave Gettleman as well. And so, you know, you think Joe Judge and he, you know, he he's hopefully going to take a page out of the, the Bill Belichick book in press conference 101 and say, that's not a question for me. That's a question for the GM instead of trying to answer the questions. And I think that's where one of the reasons why Pat Shermer went awry as fast as he did. And there are other things I know that, but to leave your head coach to answer for you, and then you get to keep your job and he gets fired, that's what I don't like. As far as building the program, I I am a program builder. I have built a program, and I don't get any credit for doing so. So yes, while it's great that Matt Rule, the head coach, built the program, you got to look at the assistants too and give, and give them them. Some sort of credit, Ron and Hewlett. You're on the fan. Yeah, how you doing? Um, I've been a Viking fan since the age of twelve. Okay, and, I, and I'm 62 now, so that's 50 years. And uh, it's just not worth being a Viking fan. You were talking about the Titans, 400 to one. Mm-hmm. The Vikings should be 5,000 to one every year. <laughs> and I'm not joking, because every year. They lose no matter what. It doesn't matter who the coach is. I don't care what disciple it is. I don't care who it is. They don't win. Can you tell me why I torture myself every year? I, Ron, I, you know, I yeah, am a long-suffering anyway, Jets let's, fan, let's, Ron, so I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but wait a minute. And also, yeah, you said you were a Jets fan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I have one up on you and Bedingo. We never won. Yeah. We haven't won. That's true. You understand? Yeah. We have not won. You get real close, and then you just can't punch it in. <laughs> can't punch it in. Can't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Can't do a damn thing right. I'll yeah. tell you what. I, I believe, and they won't say it, but I think Cook was hurt. Because the Viking offense is not going to go anywhere without Cook running. Yeah. Well, it, it. It, yeah, it might come out in, in these next couple of days. I mean, maybe. Uh, uh, obviously. Yeah. And Thielen, how about that? He's, way, he's feeling his own Achilles cousins, through his foot. I was like, I'm out. What's up? <laughs> the minute they signed Cousins, <laughs> I was, I'm out. Yeah, the you Jets know, dodged on. a bullet on that one, huh? I mean, that, that's ridiculous. <laughs> the guy's nothing. He's, he's, he's a normal, he's an average sport, maybe average. I don't even know. Yeah, he, Is he, he average? He's got some great weapons around him, though. Thielen yeah, and well, Diggs and all know, that makes him look a lot better than he is. For sure. I mean, he made, listen, he made a couple of plays here and there. But he's just not, he's not a Brady. He's not a, a Rogers. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Never in the same sentence again. Come on, yeah. Ron. <laughs> How did they even, why did they sign him? Because, uh, I, I don't know, they thought he was going to thrive in being in, in a new situation, I guess. Yeah, like, like they signed Herschel Walker. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what happened there. What happened the, there, the tell Cowboys, me. The Cowboys won all these freaking championships. You know, come on. <laughs> Oh, Ron, I, I appreciate the call. Um, and, and while the Vikings have never won, I mean, the Jets have never won in my lifetime either. So that was a long time ago. 1969 was a long time ago, if I do say so myself. 
And I, the Giants have won more recently, obviously. And, um, you know, I, I would not put Joe Judge down from the outset here. I'm not doing that. I like a, a lot of what he said. It aligns with my coaching philosophy, a lot of what he said. And, you know, everybody thinks they're the best. I, I thought I was a very good coach. I've ne- I, You know, I, I've never had a losing record as a coach, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And what, what I've done and what he's saying and what he's done, they're very similar. I see a lot of myself in Joe Judge, actually. Again, I'm not saying that I'm an NFL football coach. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that our coaching philosophies do, in fact, align. And I think the Giants are going to be in good hands. I really do. I'm not just saying that. I do believe it. Take more of your calls after the break. 877-337-6666. I'm Daniel McCartan on The Fan. He's Marco Belletti. Hey, turn this up, everybody. This is Daniel McCartan. McCartan in the morning now on WFAN. Wake it up, everybody. It's 523 in the morning. We have full phone lines. 877-337-6666. We are just talking about coaching decisions and the Vikings, how they never win, and how the Titans open up this season as 400-1 to odds to win the Super Bowl. That's according to Caesars Sportsbook. And let's head right back out to the phone lines. Steve in Manhattan, you're on the fan. Danielle, don't be too hard on those jocks if they can't speak the uh, King's English. (laughs) Now, you know... You are, again, you are in drive time now. You're in the big time drive time. This is the big city here. People going to work, getting in their cars. But is your show going to end at 5.30 or 6? 6. Okay, good. The other night they, they, they stopped it at 5.30 for some national show with chicken heads talking about the games. It's nonsense. We want to stay local here. And uh, can I hit clean up in your, on your team? What's up? Can I hit clean up on your team? Can you hit clean up on my team? I'd have yeah. to see. I'd have to see how you, you know, <laughs> I'd have to see for sure. Oh, I can't just pencil right. you in there without having seen anything, you know. Well, is it a guy's team or girls' team? I coach uh, girls. Oh, go get the girls. Yeah. I, mean, well, I could play clean. I could <laughs> clean <up>. <laughs> <laughs> the teams that I had all these years, the guys will still come up to me. They'll say, Steve Marino, that was the most fun I ever had in my life playing on those teams. But those are good baseball teams we had, too. They were very good teams. Mm-hmm. Winning and, is fun. Um, <laughs> win, no, winning is fun, but also the attitude of the game. Yeah, Baseball's, I know. You've got to be a laid-back game. It's, it's, You've got to know how to play. You can't because um, there's guys out there, if they saw Babe Ruth strike out three times, they would say, get him out of here. He can't play. <laughs> they don't understand it. Yeah, they really don't. I don't. Now, I want, you, you brought up Super Bowl three. Um, yeah. I'm the only one ever to ask Joe Willie name it. What would have happened if Johnny United started Super Bowl three because it was – Earl Marrow did. Earl Marrow won the MVP. And um, he said, he gave, I knew his answer, of course, he's going to say yes, of course. But he says, you know, we had a pretty darn good offense that year and a pretty darn good defense. But I really think it might have been a different outcome if United would have started. And um, the thing with the Titans now, I, I was wrong about the Titans. I said um, Henry had to carry 40 times for them to win. He carried 30 times, and they still won. But if you go back to that game, in the fourth quarter, there's three minutes left in the game, and the, uh, the Titans are punting. I would, I would have went at them. I would have brought the whole house yeah. at the punt and try to block that punt. He yeah. didn't do it, so it goes to show you, you have to be able to manage the game as the game is going on. Well, this is an old boys' network here. These guys hire each other. We know I could send an actor into these NFL coaches' interviews, and the guy guys would be calling the fan. Oh, get to hire that guy. He's a great guy. Now I call him Jidge. His name is Joe Jidge. 
the Yankee players used to call Babe Ruth Jidge. But I'm going to call him Jidge. And the thing is, he wants to delegate power to the court. I have no problem with that. Yep. As long as the guys are good coaches right. and they're on the same page. I got no problem with that, obviously. But you got to be prepared for Sunday. That's the main thing. You got to have that team prepared. Now, the 49ers, you know what impresses me about this team? Their offensive line. I like their offensive line. And it impresses me. He had I think all day to throw that ball. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Those guys impressed me. And Nick Bozer, I like him very much. I think he's a guy I put on a game. He's a beast. He's going to be even better and better. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll just leave you with this, unless you want me to keep going to the update, but that's another twenty five, another 15 minutes. <laughs> we're right? good, we're good. <laughs> Do you want me to keep going? You, not nah, if you want, I will. But you know what? If the Giants or Jets in 2021 have the number one pick, I know there's people out saying, Steve, you said this on another show. I know, but there's new listeners, too. It's not a private conversation. I would take Trevor Lawrence. If you're both the Giants and the Jets? No, if I'm the Giants or the Jets and I have the first pick in the draft, I would take Trevor Lawrence. Well, the Giants and Jets are not going to have the first pick, but Trevor Lawrence um, is a good guy, is a good quarterback, but he is obviously not what the Jets and Giants need at this point in time. That's for sure. Jets have plenty of holes, and the Giants have plenty of holes as well. Uh, Joe D. in Staten Island, you're on a fan. Hello, my friend. How are you? Good. How are you, Joe? What's up? I'd like to bring out a point. Why would anybody, why would any arbitrator offer Sanchez $6 million? <laughs> uh, and I, now, 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 just hear what I'm going to say to you. Go ahead. He's not a good defensive catcher. Correct. He's horrible behind the plate. He has a horrible time blocking balls. In the postseason, he's literally invisible. He had 34 homers last year, but not did only 77 runs. And a man that is two thirty four is is worth to me. I'm 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 old school, so I'm telling you, I would have paid that guy no more than fifty thousand dollars. Well, I mean, I agree. I mean, I agree. But again, you'd have to look at the comparables and and what the comparables are for a guy like Gary Sanchez. And when you look at, let's just say, I mean, he you said he led the league in home runs, thirty four home runs. You look at. Who was second place was what Mitch Garver. He made basically the same money as, as Sanchez, basically half a million dollars. Then you get to third, Yasmani Grandal. He was a th- he had the th- hit twenty eight home runs, right? Third most. Yeah. yeah. Grandal's making eighteen million dollars a year. What did those guys bat during the year? Where did they bat? No. What was their batting average during oh, the year? Uh, Garver batted two seventy three. Yeah. Grandal batted two forty six. Both of those guys batted higher than Sanchez. And if you look at Sanchez in the postseason again, yeah. he does not come through in the postseason. Well, the strikeout with the bases loaded really did it for me there. Uh, I, I, I look, for, first of all, Sanchez, they're going to hold on to this guy. And they, I, I'm telling you right now, Kalen, I've been a Yankee fan for 58 years. They are never going to win a championship with Gary Sanchez behind the plate, okay? Well, I, I can see why. I can see why. Defensively, yes. And as a pitcher, you don't want to throw a ball in the dirt cause, with a runner in scoring position because you're not sure he's going to catch it. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, well, well, what'd you, I mean, I heard you talking on the radio, so I figured I would give yeah. you a good call about the stick with Sanchez getting sick. Six million. Imagine, imagine, Kalen. The man was making six six hundred thousand. Yes, he went from six hundred thousand to six million. It's amazing, isn't Who it? Who is running baseball? <laughs> Who is running baseball? 
Uh, I don't know. It's a great question. Do, I, do I you know. agree with partly what I said? Yes, yes. I mean, I just, I just think yes that I, I don't think he's worth that much. On, to be honest with you, based on his defensive production, like like you outlined there, Joe. Um, but you also have to uh, talk about and look at the comparables. What's going on around it? What's going around in the league? I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, you got he's still he's only the the twelfth highest paid catch in the league. There's 11 guys that make more than him, including another one in New York, Wilson Ramos. And that's that's, that's just that's just the way it is. I, you know, it's not that I agree with it or don't agree with it. It's just it it it's the way that it is. That's what it is. Justin in Westchester, you're on the fan. Danielle, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Justin? Good, thanks. Thanks for taking the call. I'm absolutely hysterical. Listening to Joe from Staten Island, that was great. I'm having Jerome flashback. Oh, he's I feel the same. Joe, if you still listen, I have. I feel the same way about Sanchez. I don't know about fifty thousand dollars a year, but that's hysterical. <laughs> he made like it was like six hundred thousand. I think he made six sixty nine, something like that. No, I mean I get it. I do. And Joe's a great caller. He calls every week. I, you know, I do he's get great. it. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. So what do you have? Um, well, I agree with you about Judge. I, I, I don't dislike the hire at all. Um, but I have to laugh because. It's 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 almost Jets esque of the Giants to to go this route. We're, and, it, and yet, like you said, the press conference checked all the boxes, said all the right things. We're talking about accountability, culture, discipline, right? Mm-hmm. All those things. But it's almost like, you know, isn't that what Tom Coughlin was all about? Yeah, and you that's know, that's it. Uh-huh. Change the culture, yep. discipline the players. Everybody's held accountable. Five minutes early. So you have to, Right. So now you have to wonder, like, what were we, what were the Giants doing for the last, you know, seven years? Yeah. Like, you, you, you know, you, you're upset because Gilbride's offense was stale and boring. The guy won you two Super Bowls, should have won you three if Plax doesn't shoot himself. Yep. Probably would have, right? So, yep. so what is it? It's, it's the boringness of the Giants that, that I mean, they, if they win, they win. So it's almost like they shot themselves in the foot, like, for no reason. You yeah. know, Reese seemed to undermine Tom Coughlin's authority. It was, it was, you know, he, he comes in here, he, he straightens out the offensive line. He, he figures out Tiki's fumbling problem mm-hmm. and, and, you know, gets the defense into shape. And then also, didn't he delegate responsibility for both sides of the football to his coordinators? I believe so. Was, yes. To the best right? of my so knowledge. It, yes. So we, we've got a young, almost carbon copy. I mean, we don't know if this guy's a winner or not. We right. don't know if he's going to, you know, what's going to happen. But, you know, yeah, this is what we want. You want a guy who's going to come in and hold players accountable, discipline them, not have them acting up, and we're not going to kowtow to some diva who is going to, you know, infest the locker room with whatever it is that, that brings the team down. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad the Giants hired this guy. Good for them, you know. If you look at Matt Rule, his press conference, you know, preacher in the pulpit, mm-hmm. this guy, good for him, seven years, 60-plus million, 70 with incentive. Yep. The guy, I mean, the Giants weren't going to pay that kind of money, nope. and I don't I don't blame them for not doing it. Yep, and I'm glad they so, didn't. I, I'm glad they didn't, too, because imagine being locked into something that you know, not, you know, for that long. Right. And, you know, as far as the McCarthy thing is concerned, I told you before, uh, you know, didn't give me the warm fuzzies. I'm not particularly fond of his coaching style. And, you know, the, if, if you listen to his press conference, 
the offense is going to run through the quarterback. He basically said, "We're not, just, we're not, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to load up on Zeke Elliott." So, you know, Cowboys fans, if you're listening, you know, who knows what the, where that's going to go? So, you're going to run your offense through Dak, or are you going to get a new quarterback? I mean, you know, I'm just glad the Giants didn't hire him because it just seemed to me like that was, you know, going to it, it was going to be a long suffer. Yeah, well. this guy seems to be fresh. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna work with Daniel Jones, and obviously Daniel Jones has got to show improvement, or he's out. And it's gonna be, a, I think it's gonna be, you know, he's gonna get the whole season to show that he's 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 the man. If he doesn't get better, I think there'll be a new quarterback in New York, twenty twenty one. But I'm 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 with you. I'm, I like the hire. I think it was, a, you know, it's it's kind of outside the box. I, I think maybe if I could have picked one other guy. Obviously, I, I I was high on Robert Saylor just because of in- his intensity, but I think Eric Bieniemy because yeah. of the running back situation might yep. have been you know a guy that they you know they at least should have looked at him I think. Yeah, I mean, but I, they I, did I bring him in for an interview, but, to my knowledge. So, yeah, yeah, I absolutely. Mean, I, I like Bieniemy as well. If it wasn't going to be you know, I, let's be honest. And Justin, thanks for call. I, nobody knew who Joe Judge was really. So when they were bringing all these guys in. Obviously, Mike McCarthy. I liked Mike McCarthy. I like the. I, I guess I, just, I like the idea of Mike McCarthy and what he stands for, what he represents, and the experience that he could bring to a team. That oh, the winning experience that he could bring to a team that is hasn't seen much winning as of recent. Okay, so that's the idea of Mike McCarthy. I like, but when I went through it and I was thinking, like, you know, wow, like uh, this is what I'm looking for out of this press conference, and when I have those five items. I mean, Joe Judge checks most of them, well, four of them, I would say. And so, you know, when you think about it, although he hasn't had uh, head coach experience, he does have experience at the highest. He's got three Super Bowl wings, wings, rings, everybody, and he's got two national championship titles. Okay, so... It's not like they just picked him out of nowhere. I mean, it's not like they just shuffled the deck and they're like, oh, yeah, that one. I, I mean, I, I talked about his pedigree coming from w- not not a derivative of, but what you learned from the coaches that you coached under, and they just happened to be two excellent coaches. From from Nick Saban, he said that he learned another way, a, a, a way to teach it, teach things, and it's the coach's job to teach it to the players. I mean, this is all stuff that I'm like sitting there like, wait a minute, this doesn't already happen? From Belichick, he learned to to be flexible within the personnel. Don't tell me what they can't do. Tell me what they can do, and we will figure out as coaches, because it's our job, how we can use that. Everybody has something they can do. And this, I feel like, I, I hope Adam Gase was listening to this, this part, because I'm running on the treadmill. I'm like, oh, my God, this is i got to write this down. He asked, how many cast-offs do you see around the league in the NFL on, a num- on another team? And everyone says, wow. How'd they get that out of them? Maybe they just weren't closing their eyes to what they could do. I mean, geez. Talk about Ryan Tannehill in in the playoffs, one game away from the Super Bowl. Whereas in Miami, he was the problem. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes. And I I tell you real real quick, I I once heard Phil Simms say that teams – don't really adapt their game plans to their opponents as often and as accommodatingly, I guess, as we all think. That gave me pause for thought. Like I was like, wow, 
Why on earth wouldn't you? I know I do at the high school level, so why wouldn't the professionals? And the judge gets up there and says, there may be some games where we throw the ball 50 times, other games where we run the ball 45 times. That, to me, is adapting your game plan to fit the opponent. More of your calls after the break, 877-337-6666. Hang tight if you're on hold. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Coming up Monday, it's Moose and Maggie, 10 to 2. Complete breakdown of the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Who survived? Who didn't? 10 o'clock Monday morning, right here on Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. This is Pat Boyle's song for the last break, the last rejoin every Sunday morning. And you guys, this is your last chance to get aboard, 877-337-6666. I'm with you only a few more minutes until 6 a.m. where Bob Salter is going to take over at that point in time. Um, so we got a lot to get through still tonight. So let's do it. Um, I, I was just, I got to tell you something. I was scrolling through Twitter on the break and there was a, vi- a video First of all, let's just give props to Derrick Henry uh, and what he was able to do versus the Baltimore Ravens. And that defense, which was an excellent defense, you know, they they changed it up. They they went into the well, the Naval Academy or something like that, and they they put their defensive planning in, and every week it's different and all, and all that, right? We've heard all season long how good the Baltimore Ravens' defense is. And yet, Derrick Henry is the first player in the history of the NFL, 100 years of the NFL, right? NFL 100. Derrick Henry is the first player in 100 years to rush with 180 rush yards in three straight games. We're not talking like week one, two, three. We're talking like inclusive of the two playoff games that he's played in. Playoff games. That's amazing. So as I'm sitting here, I'm on Twitter, just scrolling through some things, and there's a video that has a 1.7 million views, right? And it's tweeted by, um, ah, just hit retweet on so you can find it easily. Um, at Matthew, M-A-T, Matthew McGovern, McGovern um, was, is the name. 1.7 million views, right? And it's a video of, of Derrick Henry giving a stiff arm to Earl Thomas. And then someone quote tweet, <laughs> tweeted it and said, the man, meaning Earl Thomas, the man got stiff arm so hard that he became the lead blocker. So then I rewatched it again, and there it is. The stiff arm with the left hand, the push off of Earl Thomas, and now he's pushing him to use him as a lead blocker. I mean, it's hilarious. I laughed out loud. So good for Derrick Henry. Good for what he's been able to accomplish. Let's head out to Ron Konkama. Eric, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Good morning. Good morning. What's up? I, I, I don't know if I should be flattered. My research skills reach all the way down to South Carolina. It's interesting that the... But, uh, you know, we'll leave it at that. That person knows what I'm talking about. Okay. The, you know, I, I, you actually just literally just answered my question on that because I was going to ask you if anyone had done that before with Derrick Henry. I mean, it, it's incredible, the the uh, the output he's done. I mean, you know, and then even to throw a touchdown pass on yeah, top of that. on top of all that. That was the best part. When you get to the playoffs, I, I, you have to be inventive and creative, and that was the second time in two weeks we've seen Rabel be, be or his offense at least, be creative. Awesome. Right. I mean, I mean, you got to figure even even if they don't get as far as the big dance, you know. I mean, it, you know, the, he's he's certainly notched a, a place in history already. Yep. Uh, you know, based on what you had just mentioned on there, and and you know, and you got to figure. I, I mean, I don't know. They probably wouldn't be the favorite if they end up going to Kansas City. Correct. But uh, you know, if if you know they're doing this against the defense of 
both New England and, and Baltimore, you certainly have to give them a shot, though. Right. And they wouldn't be the favorite either way. They are going to be the underdog next week, no matter what. Even if it's Houston, you think? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. I think so. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because it, yeah, it'd, be, it'd be the home game for the, the Texans. Right, right. They're very Jekyll and Hyde, though. I, I mean, know. That, uh, I don't trust them yeah, at all. So it, no way. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah but, but then again, you know, they also beat Kansas City earlier in the year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, look, look I, you know, and shout out to Omar if he's listening. He actually predicted the other day a blowout for the Baltimore, uh, for the Tennessee, and he also said that Houston's going to upset uh, Kansas City. So he's halfway there. So, Well, Eric, I uh, hope you know. I'm going to go from you right to Omar. He is on hold. Oh, excellent. <laughs> excellent. Good job, Omar. Keep keep it up. Let's hope it goes through. Have a good uh, night there, Daniel. All right, I appreciate the call, Eric. And and as promised, Omar in Brooklyn, you are on the fan. Hi, how are you? That is so cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, the thing, man, I'm cool because I, I think it always comes up. When Eli Manning made that greatest plays and went on a run with the Giants, uh, I always say, I, I believe in that, and I'm saying that when you are a defending champion, and what New England Patriots are for last 20 years, I don't care how much they were struggling, how much they were doing it. Buffalo had a chance to win the division on their, uh, 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 went there, they had a lead, they have a good defense, they were a fourth quarter team, they did not win that game. New, uh, Tom Brady made a play. They went. They were down, and they uh, uh, scored a touchdown. And mm-hmm. their defense made plays when uh, there were four plays to be made. So to, to dethrone the defending champion and the supremacy that New England Patriots has. Basically, what Tennessee did last week, people are uh, oh, just because New England was struggling. New England Patriots was a dilemma for everybody to shut to finish them off as everybody has wrote. This chapter is closed now. Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, New England Patriots, after last week, are not going to be the same. There is going to be a new AFC East champion. Who is it going to be? Omar, who is it going to be? Of course you know who is going to be. Tell me, tell me. Your reporter, your reporter, your reporter, you you, you were talking to, he told you that. (laughs) (laughs) You know who is going to be? Who is it going to be? Tell me. Buffalo Bills! The Buffalo Bills! Thanks, Omar, for the call. We're waiting for the crescendo. The Buffalo Bills are going to be the new AFC East champions. You know what? They have a good chance of doing so, Omar, and I always appreciate the call. Let's head down to try to get all these in Miami. Andy, you're on the fan. Wow, I get to follow Omar Legend. and Eric and Ron Cox. Uh, legends. That's, that's an honor. <laughs> My favorite last week when I was listening to you and, and Omar First surfaced after the Bills game. Yeah. You ended the call by saying, "Sorry for your Sorry loss." Sorry for your loss. I started, I started laughing out loud when you did that. <laughs> I know, and you definitely deserve a blue check. I want you to know. Oh that. well, well, thank you. I appreciate that. But Omar, every phone call, it's a, it's a crescendo. I just, I'm waiting for the crescendo, and I'm just waiting for Omar. I appreciate the energy always. I, <laughs> but then just to end it's it amazing. with the deadpan. I'm sorry for your <laughs> your loss. I thought yeah, was... that was that was <laughs> tremendous. I know you don't have a lot of time, so yes. I'll get right to my point. What's up? Listen, I, I, I have a real problem with this guy, Rule. I, I, I just, he was sitting there talking about how he was meant for Carolina. Yeah. It's a perfect marriage. And he completely left out the fact that he had his agent call the Giants. Oh, someone asked him about it. Offer. Oh, someone asked him right. about it. Yeah. And oh, he was like, well, what was his answer? Uh, his answer was, like, let me get the quote for you. It was like basically a bunch of humana, humana, humana 
Uh, I can't yeah. find it close enough. It was but... Jackie Gleason. Humma, humma, humma. I, yeah. I mean, what's he going to say? Yeah. I'm meant for this. I didn't get to hear the press conference, but I mean, I was just listening. I'm like, wait a minute. This guy had his agent call and say, match it, and I'll leave Carolina and come to New York. And yeah. New York's like, no. Yeah. He, the, the quote was, yeah, um, I, 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 I counted it. There were five eyes, and then I don't even know what the rest of it, because he was, he was fumbling over his words. Yeah, I don't so know. So basically what he was saying is, this is a marriage made in heaven. I'm going to be here for seven years, even though I went to Mexico for a week first. Yeah. But yep, that if bothered the Giants me offered me the same amount of money, I'm, bo- I'm gone. Yep. yep. So let That's me tell exactly you why right. I like Judge. Right. I like Judge because it's not just the Belichick pedigree and to a caller, I guess, about 40 minutes ago who was saying, the Patriots don't produce good coaches. I'll say this. Rabel beat the Patriots and beat Baltimore on the road in the past two weeks. Patriots coach. You can say that Bill O'Brien is coaching for the second Sunday. Patriots coach. Mm-hmm. And you can also say my man down here in Miami, Brian Flores, is amazing and beloved by the fan base. They traded Tunsil. They traded Minka Fitzpatrick. And they won more games than the Giants. So, yep. you know. Yep. That's with a team that was trying to tank for Tua, which we were. And I'm a season ticket holder. Yeah. And if his first move is to get a Dolphins assistant coach as the defensive coordinator, I'm down. I think uh, I think Judge was really impressive. But the last thing I want to ask you, because I know you're up yes, against it. Yes, I am. It. Yes. I'll make it short and sweet. I'm really fascinated by the Belichick angle in the Giants coach because Josh McDaniels was due to interview the next day. And... The New York Post had a story yesterday that Belichick pushed really hard for Joe Judge. Now, you know, Belichick is the ultimate, you know, ulterior motives guy. Mm-hmm. My question for you, Danielle, is did he push really hard for Judge because he didn't want McDaniels to get it because he thought Judge was better? Yeah. Or did he push really hard so he could keep McDaniels as his offensive coordinator? And if you're McDaniels and you know that Belichick is pushing Judge for the Giants job, And the Giants, unlike every other team, is a team that Belichick loves. They gave him a start. He was defensive coordinator. He coached right out of Wesleyan with Bill Parcells there. So he loves the Giants. And McDaniels was going to interview and got hired. They hired Judge before McDaniels even got to interview. So what do you think is behind that? Andy, i got to cut you off right there. Yeah, I think think that Bill Belichick does have the Giants' um, best interest at heart. I actually did think about this, and I think – I think with giving that recommendation and, and one coupled with how well he did in the press conference, I, I think I think it was a, a sincere move. And we got four calls to get in, and in only a few minutes. Alan in Queens, you're on the fan. Hi, Daniel. How, how are you doing? Uh, if Super Bowl three had a two point conversion, I think the Colts would have won. Uh, case in point, uh, uh, Texans against Bills, which three two point which two two point conversions got him the victory. Alan. Awesome analysis there. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I don't know. And, and I actually, you know what, I'll save the story for another time. Let's go to Long Island City. James, you're on the fan. Good morning, Danielle. I love you. You're more than ready uh, for prime time. Well, thank you. I've, I'm just keeping these crazy hours. I go to sleep at 8 p.m., get up at 4 a.m. because I'm running for Congress out here in Queens. Oh, well, good luck. But thank you. I went to sleep. Uh, you know, the uh, Titans were winning. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, it looked like the Ravens were coming on there with that final field goal. Yep. And I woke up this morning, and I, I can't believe it. It was one of the biggest, at least for me, one of the biggest upsets in recent NFL history. Yeah, they never came back. They, I went to bed yeah. in the third quarter just before, you know, I came on the air, and I was, like, expecting to wake up to see the, the notification that the Ravens won. And they exactly. never won. 
you know, I'm an Nets fan, Nets, Mets, and Jets, so mm. I'm used to losing, and rarely do I get a surprise like this, believe me. But yeah. uh, it's an amazing, this is one of the best NFL groups of um, playoff games that I've ever seen. Anyway, good luck. I'll talk again. James, good luck to you, too, in, in, your, in your race out there. Uh, Jeff, in Jersey City, you're on the fan. Thanks, Danielle. I have a quick prediction and a quick Yankee question. Uh, Go ahead. Predict uh, 49ers and um, uh, Titans in a uh, Super Bowl. I lean to to the 49ers as a uh, victory. Okay. Uh, and um, ju- uh, for, for, for Judge, I would say he should um, focus on, uh, on on Dan Jones's um, progress and, and keep it going. And then the other thing, because he knows it so 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 well, is special teams because special teams field position is major influence in every victory in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's so important. So he knows that well. So he's got a lot going for him. And here's the last thing: uh, Who is the Yankee, the new strength coach for the New York Yankees? Oh God, let me Google that real quick. I, I, I don't know the name off the hand. What's it? Did they hire one already? Uh, I did not see any reports of it. I haven't looked. That is something that I, I don't know. I didn't see. I didn't see you, that. Well, you know what? That hitting coach that they ha- had, uh, the woman, what's, uh, what's her name? Re- Re- Rebecca. Um, she was a hitting coach. She was also a strength and conditioning coach before. Pat, Pat just uh, said it. Pat, you can come on here and say it. The new strength coach is? Carlos Mendoza, replacing Josh Barn. There you go. Okay. All right. So hopefully uh, he'll get the team right, keep the team healthy, and uh, we have a lot to look forward to. And, Jeff, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I'm sorry Thank I, I kind of had to cut you off really quickly. Dan, we have like a couple seconds only in Astoria. You're on the fan. How's it going? So I want to talk about the Buffalo Bills, how Deshaun Watson has some stones, and how tomorrow the Chiefs are given nine and a half. That is disrespectful to the Texans. The Texans are going to make some noise tomorrow. Well, Dan, that is your mouth to, to, to God's ears there. Um, and uh, thanks. We, we got them all in. I appreciate the rest of you, the, the last of you guys, for keeping them really, really short. And here it is. There it is. Thanks to all the callers. Could not have done it without you guys. Been a fun, fun three hours. Action-packed. Love coming here, talking to you. Great job to Pat behind the glass with that little assist right there at the end. And to Marco on the updates. Huge thank you to three-time All-Pro, former New York Jet, member of the Kansas City Chiefs Hall of Fame, Tony Richardson for joining us tonight. Enjoy the rest of the divisional playoff weekend. Here's to hoping our New York teams, the both Jets and the Giants, are playing this time next year. I'm 0 for 2 on Saturday, hoping for a better Sunday. I got Chiefs and Seahawks. Uh, Chiefs 21, Texas 17, Seahawks 21, Packers 17. Bob Salter's up next. Mark it down. See you guys back in my regular spot. Saturday night into Sunday morning, 2 to 6 a.m. We'll talk some NFL championship games. Hit my socials in the meantime. Let's keep the conversation going. Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66.